Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome back to the Winkly. It is me, the managing editor, Nick Hausman, joined by Justin Labar, as I am every Thursday at noon Eastern here on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. Justin, thank you very much for coming back to chat the news of the week with me here on the Winkly. I always love to do this with you, Nick. You, well, it, you yeah. and only you. Oh, me? Well, you know, uh, what am I? You know, it's the holiday season. I guess it's a time for us all to be festive and, and have some love for each other. I wanted to send a happy holidays out there to everybody. Of course, we got a big, awesome show planned for you today. Uh, of course, if you're watching us live here on the YouTube channel, you know you're going to get uh, about a half hour, 45 minutes of news chatter here with Justin and I. But if you subscribe to Wrestling Inc. Audio over on iTunes, if you're listening to this as a podcast right now, you get the full Winkly episode, which also includes some interviews and segments. We've got two big interviews for you here this week. So after this, if you're watching us live right now, thank you on YouTube. Go over, find us on iTunes so you can listen to these interviews. Uh, we have a nearly hour-long conversation with Bubba Ray Dudley, a.k.a. Bully Ray, we got we got real deep into his match, uh, his I Quit match with Flip Gordon from Final Battle, and we talk a couple other things. I also chat with Ring of Honor television champion Jeff Cobb. Both interviews are great. A little bit of a Final Battle Fallout episode here today uh, on the Winkly. So go give those a listen. Use the hashtag Winkly over on Twitter if you want to leave any feedback. Uh, but Justin, big week for pro wrestling. You know, obviously we're going to get to what happened here with Ron SmackDown, but TLC. Final battle. We're both this weekend. Did you get a chance to uh, to watch both of these programs? Uh, I saw TLC. Uh, I did not watch Final Battle from start to finish live. I have seen, you know, through the methods I've had going through and caught some of the highlighted clips of uh, of what was seemed like a really good show from what I could see. It was. You know, that's the thing is this was the end of 2018. 2019 is going to be such a transitive year in pro wrestling. And here today, uh, here this past weekend, to cap 2018, Ring of Honor went out there put on what I thought was one of their best shows of the year. And WWE, I mean, the TLC main event was was pretty good, but largely that show didn't didn't give me a – it didn't grab me a whole lot, Justin. Did you feel the same? Yeah, same thing. You know, there were some bright spots of TLC, but if I was to, you know, uh, try to rate the excitement from start to finish, it was not, a, it was not at a, a peak performance. And I think it goes back to, you know, I know they've combined both rosters for, the, for all the pay-per-views now for WWE, but again, you know, would – when you just look at these cards as you're doing predictions in advance of these shows and you just look at like how many matches, how long it is. It's a struggle for anything to really stand out. Yeah. And it was a real struggle this weekend uh, on TLC to even get the stuff that they had built up for fans to buy into in particular uh, that Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins match was really pretty heavily booed uh, on, on the TLC card. It was also kind of in a weird semi-main event spot that I know uh, was right after Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles before the TLC match. So that's kind of a worth taking into consideration, but we were not the only ones who were upset about this. The fans, according to the observer, Vince McMahon was apparently furious that this match did not go as well as planned. What, what to you, Justin, we haven't talked about this yet. Why to you 
did Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins not work at TLC? Well, the the layout of the match matched nothing of what or where I think we all believe that their story and their feud is. I mean, you know, they used they used their colleague having to walk away from his job to, to battle cancer. And on that same night, they used that emotion to pull the puppet string to execute a heel turn, which I'm all, I'm still all for. I thought it was well done. And I'm, I'm sure, again, Roman, I'm sure, signed off on it, whatever. So you have this <clears throat> split of these two guys who, I mean, you know, th- th- they've been pretty, I mean, other than when Rollins went heel, they've been, they've been so linked together since 2012, which is a long time in today's age. And they, they execute the split. Um, you know, Dean Ambrose kind of starting to reinvent himself with the look and the music and, and some of some of the promos. They kept the two of them away from each other. I mean, we went weeks until Ambrose finally really did speak. And even still, his we were still haven't got a full explanation. But nonetheless, you have this 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 blood feud, as they call it. Right. And they went out there and wrestled like they were the opening match of of just like some throwaway show. I mean, like you know, rest holds and. And, 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 you know, I, this, is, this is the match where you need Seth Rollins getting out of the ring and going, running the aisle way, and, and they meet in the aisle way and start brawling. I mean, you know, so the only thing I can think is unless unless the two of them were under, unless the two of them and whoever was agent the match with them, unless they were of the understanding of, hey, we got a long way to go, so let's not blow our load, for lack of a better phrasing, in this match, unless that was what was in their mind and wasn't, you know, and there was a miscommunication between them and what Vince had in mind. I don't know, but yeah, I don't, I don't blame Vince for being furious. If I'm, if I'm him, and this is one of your marquee matches, and this is, and you put a lot of TV time behind these two, that was not what I want to see. The only good thing I could say about the match, really overall, is I at least I like the fact they at least um, protect. You know, they, you know, Ambrose got the win when he needed to, but I like the fact they protected this finishing move. In this day and age where we get finishers over and over and over, he hit dirty deeds once, done. And I, I think that's that's important if, if we're reestablishing Dean Ambrose and he needed to win, he got the win. You know, making his finishing move uh, a double arm DDT essentially um, be credible. That was the way to do it. But other- otherwise, everything that led up to that, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, the first thing I noticed when this match started was they locked up, right? They didn't start going at each other's jugular like that. I mean, they started with a lockup. And that really, you know, you can talk to a lot of different. We're going to talk to Bully Ray here later about in-ring psychology. Like you say, that's not that's not what people wanted between these two. They wanted to see some clobber in here. They wanted to see, I mean, you like you said, they brought up their friend's cancer as part of this. Seth Rollins should want to murder this man. How are you going collar elbow here to start the bout? That didn't make a whole lot of sense. And how do you get to that point? I mean, this yeah. is Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins in a marquee match. The Vince McMahon obviously has some stake in here. Who's not telling these guys, go out there and beat the piss out of each other. This is a blood feud. Yeah, again, I don't know where the miscommunication is. I can only assume that, that maybe that was, you know, I mean, obviously Ambrose and Rollins are veterans of the business. Certainly they're smart enough, I think, to know that, okay, at this stage, you know, with the kind of with this kind of buildup, you want to have a certain type of match. So the, I have to believe that maybe they were communicated something different. The other thing about the match too, I thought the match was too long, and that may not be again on them. That's that's whatever. If they were given on the on a run sheet, you need to fill this amount of time, then you got to fill that amount of time. But I also think with with a match like this, so the first time they're meeting uh, in this in this blood feud, I would have rather have been, sh- you know, not like not super short, but shorter, um, and let Ambrose get it, you know, just one upper hand via a, a, a dirty tactic and then hits dirty deeds and that be it save the long you know let, let let the matches get longer as it goes uh, i thought i thought for the incorrect styles we're talking about the lockups and all that kind of stuff for the style of that match i thought it was way too long well and also is this a case of just like the characters too confusing for the audience you know i get that a little bit with it not as much with daniel bryan definitely with ambrose here because he talks in this really weird way 
It's very heady, right? You're talking to kids and families and stuff. Do, I mean, they know they're, they don't like this guy, right? But do they really know why they don't like this guy? It's kind of, it's a little bit, I don't know if he just goes over the heads a little bit of the audience they're playing to with the way he presents himself, you know? No, I think you're onto something there. I, I you know, if, I, I don't think I can concisely tell you why he has turned his back on Seth Rollins other than he hates the smell of certain cities. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, like, yeah, no, it, it, it is, it's almost a little bit of the, it's a little bit of the, the Bray Wyatt problem of, of too much riddle talk eventually you just need eventually you just need to just tell me in plain frick english like what what you're trying to say um i, I think dean i think that's been a promise plague dean embers in a singles run when he's not been with the shield and again i and i'm a i was a i mean i'm still a dean, dean embers fan but i do think that he is he he, he needs to he's he's underperformed as a single star in my opinion uh, i want to see him succeed i think ambrose has almost tried to like overthink things or be work on being too different. I remember doing an interview with Dean Ambrose some years ago. I'll have to find the audio and then re-release it via my podcast. And I remember, and like, and he, he stayed very much in character or, or was just, or meant or purposely tried to be very aloof. And like, I tried to talk to him about like his entrance and he was just very like, uh, I mean, you always would have thought he was drunk. He was very, uh, well, you know, it's all about whatever I'm feeling, right? Like, it, it was just like, it's like, dude, just give me a straight answer. You know, it, it, it was like he tried, was trying to work me too hard. Mm-hmm. He's a germaphobe, right? Like, that's the thing. You know, we had this conversation the other day on the podcast. It's like, maybe you just should be more blunt. Which is like, I don't like being dirty, right? I mean, do they need to be that blunt for the, for the kids in the audiences maybe to, to connect with it a little bit more? Um, well, let's switch gears here. Obviously, that match didn't click. There was a, a hell of a main event here, the TLC match. Uh, Asuka, Charlotte, Becky. Uh, in the end, Ronda Rousey would come out, uh, tip the ladder over, knocking Charlotte and Becky out of the bout. Asuka comes out on top. Let's let's chat a bit about here this year. Uh, this was almost exactly what I wanted. I didn't anticipate Ronda Rousey getting involved the way she did, but I thought it worked really well. Yeah, um, this match certainly... Um you know, did what it had to do in the placement that it was on the, on the show. Uh, I had said all week leading up to this match, I said, whatever happens in the outcome is going to definitively tell us what we need to know about WrestleMania for, for the individuals involved and more, and more than likely Ronda Rousey. Uh, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. Uh, I think it's very clear. I mean, h- how they do it, you, there can be some avenues, whether they go a, a Rumble 94, Brett, Lex type of situation of, of there's maybe a, a tie of both Charlotte and Becky winning the rumble or however they get to it. I think it's pretty clear. They've set the case that we're going to have WrestleMania, you know, a triple threat between uh, Charlotte, Rhonda and Becky, which I, I, I really haven't heard a negative, a negative reaction from anybody. And that's, that's hard to do in today's age. And then Oscar, Oscar, of course, now she's got a title. So uh, certainly it's been a big lull since from last year's rumble when she won. And then all through 2018, she had a, a certainly a lull. But uh, I guess it's never too late, and I don't think they've damaged her too much. And as you said over and over, people still very much behind her, even prior to this title win. So they might have, uh, they might be able to right the little wrongs they've done in 2018 just in time here. You know, it's it's fascinating because before people were saying, "Oh, well, Becky and Ronda, that's the WrestleMania main event," and then Charlotte comes in and Charlotte reestablishes herself, and everyone's like, "Well, you know what? Nah, maybe let's make it a triple threat. These three could all work together." Asuka comes in here now. She's got the title and arguably I think has put herself on the same playing field as these women here. I don't know exactly if you go a fatal four way or how you wrap all this stuff before WrestleMania, who wins the rumble, all those kinds of things. But it is fascinating that you have four really three dimensional engaging characters in the women's division right now. I mean, wrap it up 2018. 
there's absolutely nothing better in WWE right now than what these four are doing. And, and I would hate to see Asuka just become a transitional champion. Maybe Charlotte takes the belt off her and she goes back to something else. That's initially what I thought. At this point, seeing it on TV, I, I don't want I don't want Asuka kind of fading to black. You know, for 2018, that had his first ever Women's Rumble, uh, had the debut of Ronda Rousey, had the Evolution pay-per-view, and then I know there's probably a few other first of tight matches that I'm forgetting here. Um, you know, what a way to cap off 2018, right, for the women. Uh, and yeah, you know, it, you, you got you got you got depth here. Um, my I guess my only worry, and it just it's just it's just the nature of having such talent on the one hand, is if you do have Ronda versus Becky uh, versus Charlotte. Uh, whoever Asuka works, if, assuming Asuka's still champion at WrestleMania, whoever Asuka's title match is, it's definitely obviously going to get overshadowed. Um, it's not going to get the, the focal point. Uh, and that's just because the three other ladies in the other match are just going to be such such strong presence. But uh, but nonetheless, good problem to have. Hey, what was the WrestleMania where they had the fatal four-way where there was a McMahon in each corner? Was that WrestleMania 2000? WrestleMania 2000, yeah. Okay. Um, let's, let's switch gears here a little bit. We'll roll over to SmackDown here and Raw. Obviously on Raw... First of all, Raw's had a lag in the ratings. They were up 16% this week. Obviously, the McMahons were back. The McMahons coming out promising a fresh start for McMahons. What if they each picked a woman, right? Maybe we could just rehash WrestleMania 2000. You know, I, you got Triple H and Asuka's corner, right? The NXT, maybe some Charlotte's. I don't know. Anyway, that's a terrible idea. Uh, the McMahons did come back. They're offering a fresh start. Um, according to WrestleVotes, which has become quite a source here in the world of pro wrestling, uh, Vince McMahon did not want to return to WWE TV. Um, I, I am surprised by that because he looked like he was having a good time. You know, and we did chat about this a bit the other day. But to me, the more I think about it, it just does seem like a Band-Aid. Like, they didn't really fix a whole lot. I mean, they took a couple old toys off the shelf and they threw them into the mix. But this didn't feel like a, a reinvention of the wheel, what we got here uh, and knowing the next two weeks are taped, I don't think we're going to get you know really much of a further continuance of whatever they're they're doing here for a little bit. Yeah. Well, first off, one hundred percent, I do believe that uh, that that report of um, that Vince, you know, did not you know did not want to come back to TV. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I use this analogy on my podcast that, that came out this morning, Wrestling Reality, and, and I use the analogy of basically what it kind of. I mean, the true the true scale to judge this is going to be we have to give like I said we have to give it a month or two. But just in the just in the immediate of this week, what it feels like is we, the audience, are the parents, and the McMahons are the misbehaved kids, and they realize they misbehaved so badly, and we've had, we've had low ratings, and now us parents are very disappointed in them. So now they're real quickly trying to like be real nice. They're trying to speak in a nice tone, suck up, say I love you a few more times. They're trying to get back in the good graces until we drop our guard, and then we'll see if they start misbehaving again. <laughs> They're going to start knocking more plates and glasses off the countertop is what you're saying, right? They're like, oh, right. all right, then you walk over, boom. Uh, yeah, I, you know, of all the things that happened on Raw and SmackDown, uh, and I, I made a list here of some of the things that are part of the new fresh start WWE. Uh, we no longer have automatic title rematches, right? Uh, we no longer have Paige as the SmackDown GM. WTF, that wasn't like an issue, Justin. Like nobody was complaining about Paige as the GM. Well, unless she's going to break up Shane's marriage and marry Shane McMahon, she's not a McMahon, so she can't be in charge. Oh, man. <laughs> well, she could go the Miz route and just, like, go insane <laughs> and convince yourself you're a McMahon. If this was a few years ago, Vince would have her himself marry her, and that's oh, how she'd be a McMahon. There you go. Yeah. I don't. I, it, it's, let's, I'll take a pause here for a second, and, and we can talk about Paige, because with Paige being removed as GM, Paige was not an issue. Nobody's complaining about Paige as the GM. Mm -hmm. It does make me feel like whatever we're moving into with the McMahons is going to have some kind of power struggle feel to it, right? You got to get rid of the authority characters. Baron's gone. Page is gone. 
Now the McMahons are in charge. Whatever's brewing here has got to be some kind of power struggle angle, I would think, going on with the McMahons, right? You assume, right. You know, um, you know, and the fact that, the, you know, they, they, they've, they're more and more open to acknowledging whether it's Triple H in the suit with the fictitious role of COO or whether it's Triple H as, you know, the wrestler in DX. You know, he wears the NXT patch on his, on his ring gear when he goes to the ring. If he's, if he's in a suit, he's labeled as the, you know, the mastermind behind, you know, NXT. And now we're, we're seeing, you know, this random surge of more NXT talent that's going to come to Raw and SmackDown uh, in the immediate future, uh, which is, you know, unusual timing since they usually save that for April. So you would think that, yeah, that the obvious is that, you know, Vince in his early 70s, that, that, that you know, you only at some point you'd think capitalize on what your general fan base kind of wonders and thinks might happen, which is, well, one day when Vince is not around, it's going to go to Triple H in terms of the, the booking aspect. So why not let that play out on air? I mean, you, you might, might as well do it, right? So you, you would think that this is the start of that and maybe it culminates to WrestleMania and I don't know how or, 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 or what, what format they do it, but that would be the logical thing because all four of them are, all four of them just can't remain all happy, go lucky, happy to see each other for too long. They're the McMahons. They never all get along. So like, no. it's, yeah. And it was, you know, and that's the thing is I, I have to keep reminding myself it was a starting point, right? Like they, they announced this fresh start thing. I want to give it a chance. I want to see where it's going. But as I'm looking at where the pieces are falling here, it does seem like we we're probably going to have a power struggle here on the horizon for better or worse. And I, and I hadn't really thought about how this was maybe a longer version of the passing of the torch between Vince and Hunter. But if that, if that is the case, uh, that's a really smart, that's a really smart thing you said. And and I would hope that that's the direction they're going. Well, uh, and it, goes, and it, and it goes back to what I said. I totally believe, you know, that Vince wants to keep himself off TV. You know, I think, I think he, I think he like he'd like to think that his days on TV are behind him, obviously for at least, the, at least the immediate there, that he's there. But I think, <laughs> I think I think I think if he could turn over and let okay Stephanie Triple H truly be the authority that we see on TV moving forward, he's always going to be in he's always going to be you know involved behind the scenes until the day he dies. But I think if he could let the if he could let the audience interpret and say okay, there's no more Vince on screen anymore. It is all now Triple H and Stephanie. They're the ones that are running the company day to day, especially with the XFL coming. And maybe we think that he you know. So I think this is the timing. If you're going to do it, uh, if you're going to do the passing of the torch, this is the time. Who's going to Vince right now and is like, I've got a story and it's like, I don't want to do it. And they're like, do this story. That seems like the hardest, that seems like the hardest sell in the world. It's like selling a car to, to a homeless man or something, you know, like, how well, do you do it? Well, I'm sure it's something that's, I'm sure that's not some new idea that just popped up this week. I'm sure it's something that's been, you know, a, a draft tucked away for a while. And I, I, I'd have to imagine it's probably some of the people that have the most uh, intimate rapport with Vince that you know that can speak to him the most honestly behind closed doors and like you know have, have kind of wore, wore him down at, well i mean you know it could be it could be anything from whether kevin dunn says we should do it or whether you know whether it's triple h and stephanie themselves whether it's shane whether it's you know lead you know lead writers like like road dog or 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 or, or, or um, dave kapoor or ed Co you know just anybody any any of the guys and girls that have been around for a while that can just speak honestly to you know pat, even a pat patterson who still is always like seems like he's around consulting at random times so you know, I think I think anybody who could kind of you know you know just wear Vince down slowly and say you know you know it makes sense. You're, you know, Vince is all about doing whatever you know truly whatever really you know he'll do he'll do whatever to himself on air if it makes sense for television. So yeah, I guess. Uh, it, and it was interesting though the use of the McMahon's on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, you know, like I brought up the other day, Vince was largely just at the top of the show on Raw. He was more like a cast member on on SmackDown. I, I don't mind that if they're going to use him as just like a fun part of the show and he does fun stuff here and there. 
Um, I guess it's just, I don't know where it's going. I don't know. Is that it? It just feels like a bandit. It doesn't feel like there's a long-term thought. It doesn't feel like there's a plan here. You know? I want to I see the next dance break between R-Truth and Carmelo. Vince just pop out with him and start doing the dance break. Man, man loves to dance. Could you um, imagine the video and how much it would be worth to, 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 if they had the cameras rolling during rehearsal or during some fun stint backstage of Carmelo trying to have teach Vince how to floss? Oh my God! I would. I, that'd probably be one of the most viral videos they put on YouTube. Is Vince McMahon what? learning to floss? What a gif that would be! Oh God! And he probably they're like, "We're gonna teach you to floss." He's like, "I'm very hygienic. I know how to floss." <laughs> um, another part of the fresh start here from the McMahons, not just uh, power struggle differences. Oh wait, before I get off the power struggle thing here, Baron Corbin was fired on Monday Night Raw or was relieved of his general manager duties. Did you, you couldn't, you had to have noticed that guy is getting more heat right now than anybody in WWE. How do you throw this guy into the, into the void knowing that this guy can come out at any given moment and everybody hates this man? To me, if I'm Baron Corbin, I'm the big winner of the last like two months of, of bad raw booking, two, three months. This guy's the top heel of the company. He is. And I'm always a big, I'm a, I'm a big supporter and a big, you know, I, re- I represent the value. I, I, I recognize the value, I should say, very much of heat. I, 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 I think people today in today's age get too caught up in, well, it's go away heat. And nobody wants to see it. And they want every heel. They want, they want to like every, they want to like every heel to think that a heel's doing a good job. They want the heel to do cool moves. And I'm like, you have gotten so far away from what a heel is supposed to be. So he, he does have a lot of heat. And, um, uh, but I will say though, obviously a lot of that heat had just came because, you know, he was the authority figure getting to push around all the baby faces. So, you know, if he goes back to being Baron Corbin, just a wrestler, you know, it, I would hope for his sake, some of the heat still transfers and people just remember that, Oh, I, you know, people know him now better than they did when he was just a wrestler and that they will take the time to boo him more. Um, I hope that still happens, but I don't know. I, I, I wonder if maybe the best thing is to maybe, you know, give him a few weeks off. He certainly has carried a lot of segments on raw, give him a few weeks off, you know, maybe even give him a little stint in NXT maybe just just somehow just to cool things down before you find something new to bring him back into Raw or SmackDown because anything he does next in Raw or SmackDown is going to seem weird after he's been quote unquote in control. I thought it was a, I thought it was a misstep. I thought I, for me, I, I liked Corbin in that role because I agree with you. It is so hard to get that kind of heat. You got to appreciate that when you've got it. They, they realized that with Vicky Guerrero and she was like a, a staple. She was like the heat magnet for years mm-hmm. just doing her thing. Um, I, oh man, I thought about that opening raw segment and I know they all did the little huddle and then they decided that, that Baron was going to fight Kurt and then all those other things happened. But if out of nowhere, Vince had just been like, well, fine, you want to be permanent GM, beat this man and brings out Kurt Angle. And then he beats Kurt Angle and becomes permanent GM. That's a, I don't know. There's, that's a hook for me, right? Like I want to see this guy fall from power. I want to, they just threw it away. Right, you got rid of it, and uh, to me, I don't know that that I thought that was a big misstep, but we'll see where it goes. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't know where you go with this guy. I think he's got to continue his thirst for power. That's like his modus operandi, right? Is is Baron Corbin trying to trying to get power? And there's so many different ways he can go about that. Um, it would just, I think it would be a bummer. I know Lucha House, Lucha Lucha House Party seems dead. They buried that thing on TV this week. I hope that Baron Corbin doesn't get thrown into the same pile as them um i guess well, that's what i mean so probably the best thing for him is like i said get a few weeks off maybe again maybe an nxt stint just something you know the nxt audience always passionate <clears throat> send him as a heel down there for you know a couple shows a couple weeks of taping um you know and, and maybe maybe that'll just 
you know, pick things back why up. Take, why take him off TV? He's so hot right now. I don't know. Well, like I said, I it, it's gonna it might be an odd transfer. It might be if all of a sudden now he's back. You know, and now if he goes back to his ring gear and he's just now he's just Baron Corbin the wrestler, it it just might be like I don't know. It's it's it, I would I would keep him away. I would give some time to let this breathe. Uh, well, uh, speaking of NXT, mm-hmm. also part of the new Fresh Start initiative is there's going to be a lot of new fresh faces. Uh, we've got six NXT stars. They're going to be coming up to WWE's main roster. Lars Sullivan, EC3, Tony Storm, Heavy Machinery, Nikki Cross. Uh, we've also got some superstars that are getting a fresh coat of paint. Uh, the Revival uh, won their their tag match. Tyler Breeze uh, came out and faced off against, uh, uh, was it Seth Rollins? Yeah. yeah. Answer Seth Rollins' challenge on Monday Night Raw. And then, of course, Mustafa Ali on top, uh, pinning WWE champion Daniel Bryan. Uh, good. Oh, and, of course, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn also coming back. That's a lot of names coming up to the main roster. How do you find spots for all these guys? Some some people, I would imagine, are going to be going away here at the top of the year would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, tr- truly, this, again, this is the time. Um, for years, Triple H has talked about it to us about, you know, making NXT being legitimately a third brand. It's no more, no more should we say the main roster, no more should we say call up or whatever. It, should, it truly should be. This is just a third brand. It's on the same playing field. You know, slightly different rules in the way they do their shows maybe. But this is the time where it has to be a truly a two-way street. If they're going to bring some new f- names in to freshen up Raw and SmackDown, which are still obviously the, the focal points of the company, then some of those, I mean, then either you got to either release talent or you let some of the talent go to NXT. I mean, you, you truly got to make this now a two-way street um, because they're going to bring some of these new names. I mean, again, and the, the bad thing is, again, this is why I say we have to wait a, a month or two to really judge this, but it's like part of the fix they feel shaking things up is bringing this new talent from NXT. And it's like, no, it's not a matter of having new faces. It's a matter of don't bring these six new faces and then do nothing with them or, or that you do something with them for three weeks and then, and then they fall off. It's like you got to have consistency. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, either some talent's going to get released or some talent's going to be relegated to just, live event house shows or or again move some talent to nxt um yeah because i i agree you gotta have stuff for these to for these uh people to do i think ec3 is a layup here this guy never should have been in nxt in my opinion he is a main roster guy he seems like completely in tune with the style and tone that vince mcmahon likes i think that guy's gonna break out lars sullivan is like a beast on his own does kind of undercut the the vignettes they've been airing for a couple weeks to have him lumped in i think with this other talent here um, but there's there's a lot to like here with these new faces. I'm a big fan of Ali on top. I just can't help but think, what do you do with this talent? Because they're in a situation now where they can't be firing people and releasing them because there's too many places for them to go, get reheated up, and become stars again, right? So you're in the, I, I think you're right. I think you're in this weird spot where it's like, well, there's talent here we're not using. We don't want to fire them so they can give value elsewhere. So maybe you do send them down to NXT. Maybe maybe you create a different show on the network. I don't know. You know. Well, well, yeah. I, I think we're going to see some changes to NXT anyways in the next year. I think between, uh, I think between you know, and the other thing I think we have to also remember is you know, okay, so now we have like you know the UK show. Well, there shouldn't be anything that it shouldn't be <clears throat> okay. The UK show is only for UK. I mean, who's to say you can't send some Americans over to that show? I mean, like you know, I think they have enough properties. I think every, I think the streets just need to be more two ways. Um, I think NXT, when Fox uh, takes SmackDown, look, if, if Fox is now going to be expecting Friday night programming at SmackDown, well, once you get around to Mania weekend, they're probably not going to do a live SmackDown that two days before Mania. So I would see them probably putting TakeOver live on Fox, which TakeOver is being moved to Friday anyways this year. So, like, you know, 
I, I think we're going to see some changes in the program for NXT anyways, and that might, again, be part of the solution, which is, can't believe we're saying this, but we need more programming. That's incredible. I hadn't even thought about the idea that they were they would put TakeOver on Fox on Friday. I think they will. Wow. that's Not, a- not, not for this year, obviously, but for, the, for, for 2020. Yeah, for 2020. That's a really cool idea. Hmm, interesting. Um, and by then, they could also have it figured out and do a, do a SmackDown show, but I, I like that TakeOver idea a lot. Um, another name uh, that uh, looks to be back in the mix here soon, uh, Pro Wrestling, our PW Insider reporting that Bray Wyatt could be returning to WWE TV soon. He's set to do non-TV uh, WWE live events next week on the WWE uh, holiday tour. And he also just tweeted a, a goodbye tweet, um, a little Pete Davidson of him there that, that got some <laughs> some eyebrows raised. We, ta- we chatted a bit about it yesterday, but again, I think just like everybody else, where do you find a, a spot for Bray Wyatt right now, right? It's not just about bringing Bray back. You got to have something for him to do. And, wh- and what do you do with this guy? What's what's the hook? What's the story for a Bray Wyatt if you bring him back, Justin? I don't know. He he, he's, he seems to have, he seems to be cutting promos like he's reinventing himself. Um, so uh, I don't know if it's a change in music. I don't know if it's bring. I don't know if it's what's old is new again. Go back to the Wyatt family. Go back to some of the shenanigans that first were successful. Not sure what it is. Uh, he's another one, uh, kind of like the Dean Ambrose, uh, very talented in the ring. So, so very, I mean, you know, just a lot of skills to, to offer, but a lot of a lot, a lot of riddle, riddle and rhyme that at the end of the day hasn't meant much uh, overall. So uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what to expect, which in a way is a little exciting. Uh, they will be here in Pittsburgh a week from Saturday to tape SmackDown. That's going to air on New Year's Day. So I'll, I'll be interested to see if he shows up in one you know shows up on camera or shows up you know for a dark match and, and see what he looks like see what he's doing see what the music is see if he cuts a promo so i'll definitely uh let you know maybe him and dean ambrose could get together and do like a batman styled cartoonish villain <laughs> where like him and dean where dean's like bane and they're up in like a, a castle and like a cave somewhere anyway think about it um uh, so yeah let's uh, uh one of the names we're not going to see back in the mix here it sounds like sports illustrated uh sat down chatted with uh, john cena this past week he said his time is up someone else's time is now what a great guy what a great line uh and uh yeah i saw a report that he's uh not going to be coming back to ww wwe tv uh with his uh with his next run either so john cena this is it this is the thing he said he was never going to do which was like transition out to hollywood become too cool for school i feel like that's what he's doing now yeah, if if you he does so many of them, but if you, if you closely track his interviews over the past few years, he continues to move. You know, a couple of years ago it was I'm always I'm WWE for life. I'm all I mean, granted, he's always going to be part of the WWE family. He's never going to be I, I, he's never going to be excommunicated. Uh, but you know, I'm WWE for life. I'm full time. You know, obviously, you know, notably bashed The Rock years ago in the promo, and then he moved. And he said, "All right, well, you know, I, I'm sorry about the things I said to Rock. I understand it is tough to juggle and." I'm always here, but I, I gotta. I'm getting older, and then it becomes, well, you know, I can't wrestle because these movie studios, and then because of the insurance, because I, you know, if I get hurt, I might delay a movie, and then it's, well, it's it's really it's really somebody else's time. Like he, it seems like he is pulling his chips out at every interview, um, but at the same time, who can blame the guy? He's put God, he's put in all of his time for WWE, you know, in the ring for 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 years. Uh, you know, he's earned his money there. Why not go film a movie for for a couple months and, and make several million and, and not have to take bumps and 
uh, but but still being able to be a brand ambassador essentially for the company. I mean, so I don't blame him. I mean, and, and it, it does need to be somebody else's time. The problem is he has to come back and truly give that rub to somebody. It, it does seem a little bit like there may be something to the, I mean, I don't know. He didn't do the Saudi show. And I know that maybe a publicist got in his ear and told him to do that. It couldn't have been his choice, but he does seem to have a certain moral compass uh, these days where he's talking more outspokenly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that relationship is like. Right. I will say this. Every time I think about where John Cena's at right now, I can't help but think about Hulk Hogan, Thunder in Paradise, just happened to be down the street from another wrestling promotion. And it was like, hey, I haven't done that wrestling thing in a while. I'm not super happy with Vince. Yeah, maybe me as the white meat baby face all-time good <laughs> guy in WWE, what if I came to your promotion and became no. a bad guy? I bet no. we could make a whole lot of money together. No, I, I that, you know, no, I, I don't, uh, again, you're not, you're not going to see – he's always going to – no, he's always going to be a WWE guy. He's always going to be a WWE guy. That's what they said about Hulk, right? Well, nah, well, I don't know. I mean, granted, we, I was young. But granted, I mean, you know, I mean, okay, so Hulk left in 93. Um, yeah. Hulk – I don't know. I think it was a different situation. I think Hulk was – Hulk left it would be – he was truly kind of done. You know, he thought he was done with wrestling. Cena might be done taking bumps on a really regular basis, but he's never going to be apart from the brand of WWE. He's always going to be attached to that. I don't know, man. Money talks, right? I, this guy's I, not I, under a contract. They're all, they're all freelancers. You yeah. know? Who, who else is going to be able to, who else in the world is going to be able to compensate him as well as WWE has compensated him over the years. And, you know, him being on WWE is still what helps get him movie bits. And now his Hollywood career will start to take off on its own. Right. But you know, if, you know, I, I, he's, he's not leaving WWE. If you had the money to like run an NFL franchise, right? Like that's a lot of money, you know. I don't know if there would be anybody who is running an NFL franchise that would be interested <laughs> in a wrestling promotion right now. But oh, you're yeah. fishing. You're fishing. Am I? You're fishing. Mm, I'm a prognosticator. I was born on Groundhog's Day. I just yeah. see the future, Justin. Uh, and uh, uh, I learned from history. This is it. Just it screams to me similar circumstances. I don't know if it'll go that way, but. Listen, Nostradamus Jr., you might have a good track record, but this this one is not going to be – it's not leaving WWE in any capacity. Thanks for calling me Nostradamus and not Nostradamus. That was nice. I kind of thought there was going to be a little jab there. Uh, we'll switch gears here a little bit out of WWE. Uh, we do have some interviews here for you, you uh, all listening to the podcast. We'll get to those here in just a moment. But Ring of Honor, like we said, big weekend for them, final battle. Uh, it sounds like they've got a couple uh, big new signings as well. Bandito and Mark Haskins were both just announced this past week. Bandito uh, tore the house down at All In and has been tearing it up on the independent scene. I, I haven't seen enough of this guy. Great signing by Ring of Honor because I'm excited to see more from him. He's uh, young, all- too. Uh, yeah, early, early 20s. Is he? I have yeah. no idea. This man could be 500 years old. He hides behind that mask. I have no idea anything about Bandito. I think I, – I, I don't – and I don't know much about him either, I'm, so I'm going to be learning more about him here coming – but – uh. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I know I have some Lucha Libre enthusiasts, and obviously people that work in the business who do Lucha Libre, and they all rave about him. And I know he's a young guy, so it's you know he's 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 moving fast. Good for I, I look. I'm I'm loving everything I've seen from him. Uh, I mean, he, what a freak of nature. He's like Flip Gordon. It's like, how did you learn to do that? Um, but uh, yeah, great signing. Uh, Haskins also a great signing. Uh, it was already announced last week. PCO and Brody King had signed with Ring of Honor. Now we know. Uh, what they're going to be doing. They debuted at the TV tapings the night after Final Battle alongside Marty Skrull as part of Villain Enterprises. Um, I chatted. I'm not releasing it this week. We're going to release it next week, right after the holidays, so come back next week on the Winkly. But I talked to PCO. I talked to him yesterday. I I interviewed him for about half an hour 
all about this new endeavor with him and Brody King and Villain Enterprises. And this, I mean, this seems like a perfect fit for that guy. And and Brody, I, I'm I think this is a Ring of Honor is making some really really smart moves right now, and I don't know that they're giving being given enough credit. But I like this pairing a lot. Yeah, and good for PCO. You know, I talked about this a little bit this week. Um, he, he, what, a, what a cool story. You know, I mean, I, I hear, you know, it's one thing when we it's one thing when you see a wrestler who, you know, the Randy the Ram story, right? A wrestler who was at the top falls down, goes away for a while, and then comes back and reinvents himself. PCO was never, you know, he was he was you know a, a low mid carter at best throughout his, you know, his, throughout his time in WWF and WCW. So the fact that this guy can be he's gonna be I think what fifty one at the end of this year or at the end of this month, uh, you know, and, and, and he's probably not gonna get a WWE run. He's, he's I don't think he's you know WWE style and and a lot he of things. He talked but, to, him. but nonetheless, just just good for him to be able to have reinvented himself is in phenomenal shape is kind of owning his character is kind of this mystique and the workout regimens and everything. I mean, good for him. I mean, what, I mean, this is, this is a cool, cool story. And I'll definitely be checking that interview out because this is a really cool story. A couple things I will confirm out of the interview. Yeah. He does confirm. He talked to WWE okay. and he, I, cause I said like, did you know, your PCO, you're very popular right now on the internet. You think <clears throat> of honor can't have been the only place you talked to. He said, he talked to somebody from WWE, but they didn't offer him anything creative wise. They just offered him a contract and he was like, well, what am I going to do? And they're like, you're going to work for us. And he's like, that doesn't sound like a plan. Right. And uh, so he turned down the WWE offer and he signed with ring of honor because he really put over how they let the talents have input in their creative. And that was big for him. So for those of you that are wondering if he weighed those options, I can confirm to you, he did. Um, and which, also, Oh, go which, ahead. No, I was going to say, which makes sense because I know that through his, time in WWF and then WCW. And then I think he even had like a brief, like stint back. I, I know creative was a huge problem with him. So well, in terms of like, you know, it just never amounted to much. So it's good for him to have learned, learned from the past and, and sticking to his guns. Also, it's interesting because I brought up the Madison square garden show. Cause I was like, Oh, you're getting to go back to the garden. And he kind of flippantly, and it, again, we'll play it next week. I don't want to give the whole interview away, but he kind of flippantly was like, Oh yeah, I've I've headlined the Garden against Bret Hart, right? You know, because like him and Bret had the yeah. ninety five, right? Ninety four, ninety five. Um, and it, it dawned on me in that moment, and I don't say it in the interview, but he's probably outside of Bully, the only member of the Ring of Honor roster that could be performing at this G one Supercard show to have ever played the Garden before. Yeah, Isn't that wild. Is that, that is wild? wild? That's that crazy. Wild. Do you know? Do you know? I'm not necessarily saying him. Well, I guess I will say him. Do you have any idea, like what Ring of Honor is paying some of these guys to lock them down these exclusive contracts? Because they used to, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, because they're they're making moves, and I mean, for him to decide, okay, I'm not going to take W, you know, probably his last big chance to get a contract in his career at 50, almost 51. So I'm curious to what what kind of financial besides creative input, what kind of financial stake Ring of Honor is getting these guys? I I, I, I he didn't give me a number, uh, and I, I feel like I'm giving the interview. It's very nice. There's a lot Sorry. more. <laughs> I know I'm all interested. It's fine. I'll uh, we'll release it next week. Good hype, I guess. Um, but I I asked him about what the details of his contract were. In particular, uh, the way it get, gets brought up in the interview is we were talking about how MLW took his leaving because MLW was really building around him, right? And he had to cancel his bookings. And he said that MLW pays on a per night basis, per per appearance basis, and that's not the deal he got with Ring of Honor. So whatever deal he's getting with Ring of Honor is a bigger, it's a it's a salary position, a guarantee, yeah, okay. yeah, it's a guaranteed money position for him. So I don't know what the number is, but it was a number that was enough to offset, I would guess, the money he's making on the independents plus some, okay. which is a fair, which is 
I mean, you could run the numbers in your head. I don't want to speculate. Yeah, I, I have a guess now that you said that, so that's good. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. but it's, he's getting a guaranteed amount, and uh, and he definitely made a point to say how he thought that Ring of Honor, he, would, he, he liked that Ring of Honor was a bigger company that could provide him that, and he didn't want to work for a smaller company that was not able to do that for him. So, wow, what a tease. Next week, tune in, PCO. Um, okay, um, lastly here on the Ring of Honor news, uh, as we're wrapping this up, uh, Wrestling Observer, uh, reporting that WWE is interested in Dalton Castle. Not a surprise. I think that's been uh, known for a while now. Uh, Dalton did lose to Matt Taven at ROH's final battle. Yeah, uh, you know, Dalton, I worked with Dalton for a lot of years here in the Pittsburgh area. He did a lot of work here. He was our IWC champion at one point. I've, you know, been a really talented guy. I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear that, the, you know, whether he ends up at WWE or not, I'm happy to hear that, uh, that everybody's interested in, in Dalton Castle because he's a real – He's a real talented guy. I mean, obviously, he's got amateur wrestling pedigree, but um, you know, I mean, this is a guy who was a DJ at a radio station. I mean, he's he 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 he's just got such a gift for just creativity. Whether it's the gift for gab, whether it's just visual things. I mean, he's he's one of the most creative people I've ever met. So, um, you know, the the party peacock at Dalton Castle. Uh, I'm happy to hear that he's you know this is this is this, this should be a good year for him. I saw his one man show. He did a Dalton Castle comedy show here in Chicago, and his mm-hmm. special guest was. Matt Taven. And I thought about that as I watched them beat the living hell out of each other. Uh, <laughs> lastly, lastly here uh, in the news segment, uh, Chris Jericho announced he's going to be doing another cruise of Jericho. Uh, the who, what, where, when, and why are going to be coming out in January. But for those of you that are looking to set sail, uh, Jericho's cruise uh, is going to be set in sail one more time. Good for him. Chris Jericho continuing to branch out. This guy does everything. Now he's got a successful cruise line. Let's call Let's call Raj and let's 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 book a wrestling Inc. Uh, retreat on the Jericho cruise. Dude, I'm not gonna. I'm I, I'm I'm with you, man. I I want to be there. You know, I brought I called Raj yesterday after the PCO interview, and I was like, dude, we got to go to the garden and we got to like follow PCO around. Like we got to get the story. <laughs> so we got to track the Jericho cruise this time around as well. Uh, we will do that. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you all very much uh, for watching Justin and I live here on the uh, YouTube channel for Winkly Live. For those of you that are listening now on the podcast version over on iTunes, and I encourage you all that are watching us live and listening live right now to go subscribe to Wrestling Inc. Audio and listen to the full version of the Weekly. You can re-listen to Justin and I here or skip ahead about 40 minutes to get to the interviews because uh, I did interview Bully Ray for about an hour. We talk. He is so frank. This is not a traditional Bully Ray interview. It is all shoot. It is no kayfabe. You're going to love it. Uh, I will say that he called me from an unknown number and I was like, how do I connect with you so that we could do this interview? And he's like, I am connected with you. So I had to like download real quickly a phone call recording app so that I could record the call. It is, it is fine. It's of quality, but it does not sound like Justin and I here right now. Um, but it sounds like a phone call, but you're going to love it. It's great. Listen to that. And then right after that, you're going to get an interview with me and Ring of Honor TV champion Jeff Cobb. It is a little shorter. It's about 20 minutes. And then uh, after Jeff, you're going to get the latest views from the turnbuckle with me and Jesse Collins talking about the matches of the year from 2018. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, I'll be back here at the end of the show with Justin momentarily uh, to uh, to wrap it up. At this time, I welcome to the show former WWE, WCW, ECW tag team champion, former Impact World Champion, ROH six-man champion, WWE Hall of Famer, and one of the hosts of Busted Open Radio. Bubba Ray Dudley, a.k.a. Bully Ray. Bully, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. You forgot the last ever NWA World Tag Team Champions. You forgot the All Japan Tag Team Champions. You forgot the IWGP Tag Team Champions. 
You forgot the Hustle IWGP Tag Team Champions. What else have you forgotten, Nick? Well, you want to go, go back and do the interview? Restart the interview. <laughs> it's obviously tough to pick. Like I could just be like Bubba Ray, aka Bully Ray. I wanted to texture it a bit. I couldn't say it all. You know. <laughs> you got to take a breath. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I had to pick what was relevant here. I thought this was a pretty good. But you're right. All of those things, absolutely true. Thank you for uh, taking the time. I know you don't do a lot of interviews like this. Nope. Uh, you were. Uh, you were. Uh... You're persistent and professional, so you got me. Thank you. I tried to go through the best channels. It is a, it is, you know, this is an interview I didn't think I'd be able to get. You know, everybody gets to hear your opinion about the sport of professional wrestling or the entertainment aspect, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, a busted open radio. But this is a chance for me to get to talk to you and, and pick your brain, uh, not just about, you know, we'll, we'll get into a couple topics. I definitely want to dig into your I Quit match here from Final Battle. But how does that make you feel to have to, to give your own take about things that you're doing? Talk about yourself. One of, the, one of the things that I will always be when it comes to the professional wrestling business is honest. Uh, and I believe in honesty with the fan base. Um, I came up in what I believe to be the most honest company in the world, which was ECW. So as a younger wrestler, I was, that's what I was taught. I was taught honesty. I was taught always to give the fans what they wanted to see and tell stories that were compelling and relatable. So um, I enjoy going out there and telling my stories in the ring for whichever wrestling company I'm working for. And I enjoy telling my stories on Busted Open and helping fans to understand other stories that are being told or not being told uh, in the world of pro wrestling today. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get into the storytelling of this. Let's get let's get right to the I Quit match here from Final Battle. I really enjoyed this pay per view from Friday night that uh, was presented by Ring of Honor, and you and Flip uh, really just lit the <laughs> Manhattan Center on fire here on Friday night, almost literally. Um, before we get into all of the, the back and forth of the match, from a storytelling aspect, from you've almost been an in ring competitor for thirty years in the business. What is a good heel to you? What is a good heel trying to accomplish? A good heel elicits no emotions of joy from a wrestling crowd. Uh, a real heel is despised. A real heel is, is hated. A, a real heel does nothing that brings any happiness to anybody at any given time. And that's... Uh, you know, and I, and I really, truly believe that, and it's a very old-school mentality when it comes to uh, the heel that I am. In wrestling today, you have a lot of bad guys. There's some bad guys, there's some bad girls, but there's no real heels. And, you know, uh, I, I talk about real heels, and I think even a better definition of what I do is I believe I'm the last of the old-school heels. Um, New-school heels are good from time to time, but they tend to be a little bit more entertaining. And I don't think that my heels should ever be entertaining first. If being entertaining is a byproduct of what you're doing, you can't control that. Because some people just root for the bad guy, and you can't help that. I try to do my best to make sure that everybody hates me. And in turn, if everybody hates me, that means they love the good guy that I'm in there with. And that's my job. And not enough it, people stick to their job these days. 
Is it harder now to be a heel with the internet? I mean, or is that a cop-out answer? Like, oh, it's harder to be a heel now because everybody can see everything. No, I don't think it's harder to be a heel at all. I think you just have to be a little, a, a little bit smarter. Listen, obviously, you can't say a lot of the things that you could say 20 years ago. You can't push a lot of the same bu- uh, buttons that you could push 20 years ago. So you have to find new buttons to push in a in a way that is. Um, I guess, entertaining and offensive, but not over-the-top offensive. So I think uh, modern-day heels just have to be smarter. And I go out there and I try to offend. I try to get that hatred because that's what wrestling lacks these days. You know, I hear a lot of people out there, a lot of bad guys get complimented on their heel work. Well, that means that they're just, you know, they're just playing the bad guy on any given day. I can be the bad guy for uh, for a year, for two years. I could have been the bad guy my entire career. So I embrace it. I think too many other people shun it. I think, I think especially with social media today, too many wrestlers are chasing the hug on Twitter. And on their Instagram, they want so many people to like them. They think if they get likes and retweets, it means how over they are. The only thing that constitutes how over you are is the amount of zeros in your bank account. That determines whether you're not off, you're over. Because if you're over, you're a draw and you're making money. Now you you talk about being willing to offend, and that that, that kind of resonates with me because I hadn't heard anybody describe it like that. Do you think there is like a general hesitance? in general, from wrestlers to not want to offend. Um, I, I, in particular, I'll point to in your feud here with Flip, you criticize his military service, which is, you know, a lot of people would say over the line. That's offensive. I mean, is that the kind of stuff you think that there should be more of in pro wrestling to create more actual heels? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I, I told him that he was in the Army because he wasn't tough enough to be a Marine. Are you offended by that, Nick? Uh, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a serviceman, right? So it's hard it's to a, are that. you offended by the statement, period? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little offended by it. I mean, the guy who's okay. the country, yeah. Okay, so if you're offended by it, did you want to see Flip kick my ass? I did, yeah. Job well done. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, is that the thing? Is that Would that be your biggest advice to people or wrestlers coming up right now trying to be healed is to not be scared to go and be offensive? Because that line is so blurred right now. I mean, where where is offensive and where where is drawing where is overstepping that line? So many people are offended by so many different things these days, and I don't know why everybody is so offended by so many things. If you go on social media, there are plenty of wrestling sites that remind us of all the great things that went on in ECW, in the WWE back in the day, or WCW, things that we were. 20,000 people on any given night were cheering for or booing for, but nobody was ever saying that they were offended. Now, if you try to do any of those same things, everybody and their mother is offended. When did we start becoming so offended by every little thing and why? I guess it's, you know, where is the line though? Is it like, can you be a racist? Can you be a Nazi? No, 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 no. Being a racist, I don't think, has ever been a smart way to go. I mean, people have pushed those buttons in the past. I've probably pushed those buttons once or twice myself. But, no, the racial heat is not good. But then I'll ask you this. How come 
doing an imperson? How come DX doing an impersonation of the nation of domination was acceptable? But if you ever tried to do that today, you'd be fired. I I, I would make an argument that some people said it was not acceptable. Um, but those no, no, no. What I mean is. Yeah, Some people may have said it wasn't acceptable, but it's, it aired on TV. There was no, no, there was no, nobody got reprimanded. There was no apology made. There was no backlash from it. Not, I mean, again, I mean, that was a little before I was actively covering the business like I am now. I don't, I wouldn't be able to have the full scope of the backlash, but I do know today, you know, I've, I've talked to Walvin about it. He's kind of like, you know, we did it. It was funny. You know, nobody really thought anything of it at the time, but, you know, it ages. Things age differently now, you know. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just yeah. saying that that type of stuff was done before, and the backlash wasn't nearly as severe as it would have been today. Now, I don't think a racial way is the right way to go. So right. That, that's, that's, a button that, that's a button that I, I don't think I would push. Well, back to the social media point, though. I mean, you know, you talk about the DX, that particular angle. That was, you know, that was before social media, Twitter, Instagram. If people had the ability to pick up a phone and say how they felt about what they were seeing on TV and connect with a million people in 20 minutes, I mean, it could have been a different situation. Would you agree with that? Anybody could have picked up their phone after Monday Night Raw and called the WWE headquarters and complained just the same way people since the inception of television in the 40s and 50s would call up NBC or CBS and complain about something that they saw on TV, and you'd see the switchboard operators going crazy, pulling the plugs out of the walls and reconnecting. Sure, but that's like a direct conversation with NBC. It's not like you're going – because you're not going to take that phone call and be able to put it, you know – Nick, there's always been a way to air your grievances. Yeah, and um, you know, it's a different day and age. So back to your original question. Yes, I don't think the 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 racist way is the right way to go. Okay. Uh, Well, let's go the other route on this. You know, in your feed with Flip, it wasn't just like things you said that kind of crossed the line. You got you guys got very very physical in this as well. Uh, I watched the Ring of Honor TV angle where you gave him the ten kendo stick lashings. I saw the photos afterwards where his back was just uh, a wreck. Um, do you think going that that direction, that physical, is needed as well? And that's almost like an offensive amount of brutality in a way. Why is that offensive amount of brutality? I, I mean, it's wrestling, right? You're not supposed to actually hurt each other. You just man has got chunks of his arm hanging out. You know. Wait, wait a minute. It's wrestling. You're not supposed to hurt each other, but it's supposed to be physical. True, but I, to that degree, I don't know. I looked at that. I mean, it makes me it makes me hate you. Because you legitimately beat this man, you know. So let me ask you a question. You saw you saw me Kane flip Gordon, right? Yeah, I watched. You it, yeah. you saw the match at Final Battle. I did. From from when the bell rang at Final Battle to start the match until the bell rang to end the match. What did you see in the arena? Where did you see people? Did you see them seated or did you see them standing? They were absolutely standing. I mean, it's hard what, was the, what was the finish of the match? The finish was you getting the you know kendo stick to the back repeatedly by flip. Correct. So yeah. the story came full circle. The punishment that I inflicted on flip, he got me back with tenfold and thus won the match. Correct. How how come you're not asking flip if 
his caning on me was a little too much. I, I, I mean, I guess in a way, you know, I, I, I would ask, I would ask him that question. I guess if I had him here right now, you know, did you lay it in as hard as fully laid it in on you? But it, I guess in general, it's just yeah, you, you push everything to this other realm. And for other guys that are, you know, a little hesitant to be offensive or actually beat the shit out of their friend with a kendo stick, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a very different thing that you do. I mean, is it something for everyone? Are there only certain people that can get away with that kind of attitude? I think you. Ha- I think. Um, I think it comes with being a veteran, knowing that if I'm going to do something like I did to flip in the arena and cane him that there has to be a payoff, there has to be a happy ending, there has to be a good, a good result. If I'm just doing it to him for the sake of doing it to him, I really don't have a problem with the physicality, but if he can't get his revenge, it doesn't do any good for the storytelling, it doesn't do any good for the character. So, yeah, there is a method to that madness. That type of physicality is being done for a reason. It's being um, done because that's a part of the story, and there is going to be a very definitive end result. All right. I, I'm going to slow this down even further then. Let's, let's go back to the beginning here. You, you were talking about this high quit match here. It was the culmination of like an eight-month-long program you had with Flip and Ring of Honor. How familiar were you with Flip before you got into this program with him? Uh, before, before I had gotten to Ring of Honor, I had no idea who he was. What was your first impression of Flip Gordon? Um, I saw talent. Okay. Despite the fact that I might that I might not like the way he came up in the wrestling business, that doesn't mean I can't spot talent when I see it. And I knew that he was the perfect guy for Bully Ray, and I knew that Bully Ray was the perfect guy for him. What do you What do you mean by that? Why do you think that he was the perfect guy for you in this moment? White meat babyface. That everybody. Mm-hmm that everybody already liked. When Flip Gordon goes to the ring and he has all those matches where he's flipping and diving and super kicking, everybody loves all the moves that he does, right? Right. Was anybody ever emotionally invested in Flip Gordon before I came along? It's, it's tough to say. I mean, you and his uh, explosion being the elite was really a perfect storm for him over the past eight months. He really got to play it in the ring on Ring of Honor TV with you, and then also online with the Being the Elite guys. Sure. I understand that. The Being the Elite thing was more of an entertaining thing, okay? Right. So you're, 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 you know, you're, you're laughing at Flip, or you're, 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 you're with Flip and Being the Elite, and it's much like responding to the moves that he does. You're responding to Flip's moves. You're popping for Flip's moves. You're cheering for Flip's moves. How many people were actually cheering for Flip? The answer is not a lot, because you could take Flip out of the equation and put another guy with his talent in place, and they're still going to respond to his moves. But after this, after this eight months of very episodic storytelling and very uh, cohesive storytelling, people are now emotionally invested in Flip Gordon, because for eight months he got his ass handed to him. For eight months he got put through the ringer. For eight months he was in wrestling boot camp. And he came out on top at the end. So people now love him for putting his body on the line. People love him for the fact that he got caned 
and came back from it. People love him for the fact that he got kicked in the balls night after night and came back from it. We're now emotionally invested in our good guy. Flip can just go out there and stand in the middle of the ring and not do anything, and people will react to him. Was the intention always for you two to have this eight-month-long plus, I don't know if it's done yet, program, or was this supposed to be something shorter originally? No, when I first when I first saw everything unfold in my mind, I knew it would be uh, uh, very long. None of the stories that I tell are short stories, which could be a bit of a a negative or uh, a drawback to, to my art form in 2018 because people have such short attention spans. And what most people don't realize is the story of me and Flip was eight months of storytelling. You right. tell me the last time you saw a story in pro wrestling go on for eight months. Uh, I mean, we're, we're rolling into WrestleMania here right now. It's pretty much a blank slate on that side of the coin over at WWE in many ways. So I, I absolutely get it. Yes. Yeah, there's really no company that tells these stories like the type of stories that you might have grown up on or my, I might have grown up on, especially what I grew up on. So to me, pro wrestling is the best of soap opera. It's the best of it's the best of sport. It, it should take you. It, it should be a roller coaster ride the whole way. And if I could sit fans down and show show them, you know, night one in New Orleans um, at um, damn it, what's the name of the show? Uh, New Orleans uh, um, at the Ring of Honor show in New Orleans. At, oh, uh, oh Supercard at Supercard. Supercard. If I could show you night one from Supercard of Honor to our to, to final battle in New York City, that whole thing is one giant story. With Man, every I, single point hit. I, I don't know if I ever told you. I don't, I don't think I've ever interviewed you. But I was given some exclusive footage from Ring of Honor of your beatdown of Cheeseburger at that Supercard of Honor show where Flip came out to ringside. And that was one of the most uh, viewed pieces of content I've ever released online, by the way, just so you know. So this thing started hot here. And along the way, like you say, that Supercard, you start to include Colt Cabana. Silas Young gets in the mix. The Sandman's a little later down the line. You, you kind of had been, you know, trolling Kerry Silkin at ringside for a while. As you were working all these guys in, I mean, eight months, did you know this was all building specifically to, like, this I Quit match in your head? Absolutely. I have this wow. all well planned out. You have to remember, Nick, the company that I came out, came up in, Paul was a master storyteller. So I learned from – really great I learned from super geniuses yeah and and when when you when you think about it you know if you teach a puppy not to crap on the floor it won't crap on the floor and it'll do things the right way as young guys in ECW we were taught the right way to tell stories and close to 30 years later I'm still telling those same stories and the reason why it works is because nobody else is doing it. Nobody in WWE is telling these stories. Nobody anywhere is telling these stories. So I knew what I wanted the beginning, the middle, and the end to be the whole time. And look at all the people that benefited from it. Cheeseburger, Flip Gordon, Silas Young, Colt Cabana, and then we brought in some people that you never would expect it. A Carrie Silken, a Todd the referee, uh, a right. Bobby Cruz, and then when you bring in the Sandman, 
Like, it's 2018 and the Sandman is in the ring? You're damn right he is. And let me ask you, Nick, did it work? Uh, hell yeah, it worked. And, and why, why did it work? Uh, why did, why did the Sandman, and I'm, we're kind of going a little out of order here, I don't care, but why did the Sandman work there at the end of that match? Because he's the, he's, he, not only did he work in the match, he worked in, in the match in the ECW arena. When we had the pick your poison match or the pick your punishment match, I picked Silas Young as my guy. Who would have ever expected Flip Gordon to pick the Sandman? But it's the perfect place at the perfect time for the perfect character. So Flip Gordon calls on an ECW guy to fight an ECW guy in the ECW arena. It's foolproof. It can't fail. I was very surprised to see the Sandman show up because I thought it was like a one-off for TV. I didn't think he was coming back. I thought it was like, oh, Sandman was in town. They wanted to do a fun thing here. It's wild to see that you, you pulled all this stuff together. Um, now, if you, look at, if, you, if you look at the last scene of Final Battle, okay, if you look at, if you look at Flip Gordon is in trouble, myself and Silas Young are about to do him in. And then out of nowhere, the Sandman makes the save, and the young guy wins the match. It's the final scene of Star Wars A New Hope. Vader is chasing Skywalker. Vader is about to blow up Skywalker. Here comes Han Solo, shoots Vader, shoots, almost shoots Vader down. Vader goes flying off into space, and Luke is able to blow up the Death Star. Classic good versus evil. Uh, you started off the match really interestingly. Out of nowhere, you attacked Christopher Daniels. He was taking his, like, final bow uh, after it looks like he's leaving Ring of Honor. What was the tone you were trying to set in doing that, taking Christopher Daniels' moment from him like that? Well, you're asking me what was the tone I'm trying to set. Let me ask you this. What tone was set? Made me think that anything could happen at any given moment. It, it was I, – I, I had a, somebody else I was talking with at the time texting. They're like, man, this show is going so fast. And I was like, I prefer that. I like that as opposed to where are we going right now. I mean, I don't know. I, I, that's why I was wondering what you were trying to, to say by doing that because I thought it was a really smart move. Well, let's just say that going into the match – there was even one person in that arena who wanted to see me win. When I, after I came out and nut shot at Daniels, do you think anybody in that arena wanted to see me win? No. And when Flip came out on that balcony, was that entire arena on its feet chanting for Flip and, and behind him? Yes, they were. And it was a very grand instance that he made. Exactly. So from the very moment our match goes out there, from the moment it starts to the moment it, it, it ends, the emotion that runs through that entire match is designed to steal the show and unfollowable. Uh, how was uh, how was the decision? How easy was the decision to use the American flag? That's kind of. I mean, that's just one of those things that people can get upset about if they see it. You know, again, I don't know. You're, you're pushing the limits on everything. Well, here's the thing. Here's a good story for you, Nick. So uh, there were some people who were like, oh, the American flag, you can't use the American flag. The American flag touched the ring. Uh, the American flag was on the table. You know, you, you get this feedback on social media, and then 
I looked down in the front row, and there were three Marines in their Marine uniforms that were there for the Ring of Honor Toys for for Tots Drive, and they were cheering. They weren't offended that the American flag was was in the was on the ring. And as a matter of fact, one of those Marines called in to bust it open just to say how great of a time he had at the show. So if the Marines weren't offended, and if the Marines didn't jump the guardrail to beat my ass, who can say that they're offended? I was just wondering. It was one of the things I noticed again. Is you know I'm reading the Twitter reactions and stuff. People come up again. The word offended has come up quite a bit here in uh, in our conversation. I just thought it was a unique choice to, to go there and fully use the American flag in the match. I mean, he choked you with it at one point in the match. You know, he didn't choke me with the flag. He choked me well, with the kendo stick. The flag was there. It was like a, it wasn't. You're right. He wasn't choking you with the flag. But he showed you with the kendo stick that had the flag wrapped around it. And it was a hell of a visual. And it was a hell of a visual to see him jump off the top rope, flying in the air with that American flag. He looked like Superman. Now, And it's all all about the moments that we create. Yeah, and it's a hell of a gift, too. I love the gift of him with the kendo stick with the American flag uh, bopping you in the head. That's uh, an amazing visual. You, real quickly in the bout, though, pulled his girlfriend into it. Um, you were going places so fast here and you're hitting some so hard. Was this just about trying to keep the audience in control? I felt like there wasn't, you were moving so quick, there wasn't a lot of room to breathe here throughout the match. I, I think that there was plenty of room to breathe and understand what was going on. And when, when, I, when, when I'm envisioning what a match should be, I'm not thinking in terms of wrestling match. I'm thinking of the epic finale of an action movie. I equate what you saw. I equate that I quit match to to the final scene of Star Wars when Luke blows up the Death Star, or the yeah. ending of Die Hard, or the ending of any other action movie where every, all of the characters are tied into the final scene. The final scene um, has a culmination, and in this and in this uh, case, supposedly the good guy won. You don't see Slip as necessarily the good guy here. No, I don't think he won the match. Well, yeah, let's get to that. You never said I quit. Correct. What was the reasoning behind that? Is this not the final chapter between Luke and Darth? I guess you got to keep watching. That's an interesting uh, observation there. Um, I, I also wanted to ask you here about uh, just real quickly about psychology in the match, uh, the, the use of the fire on the table. I don't know if you wanted to touch on that a bit. It was really interesting to me how many times you guys went back to it to really hammer home that you were going to do it and never did it. You don't see that happen a lot too often anymore where a spot gets set up like that and then the fans never get to see it. That's because people are afraid. People are afraid to go down that route and not pay it off. We did pay it off, just not in the way that you thought we were going to pay it off. If you're not going to give the, if you're going to pull out a table, and if you're going to pull out lighter fluid, and you're going to make it look like, or you're going to light it on fire, well, if you're not going to do it, you better be able to top it with something that makes the people forget about the table not being on fire. And the table didn't get lit on fire. Why? Because the Sandman came out. Once you saw the Sandman, did anybody care about the flaming table? 
No. I dare anybody in wrestling to attempt that type of psychology in 2018. Uh, What was the difference for you putting together an I Quit Match for Ring of Honor as opposed to doing it in another promotion like ECW or WWE? Or was there any difference? Um, no, it, it would be the same thing. In EC, the, the only difference would have been this. In ECW, I would not have had any handcuffs, um, and I mean that figuratively, not literally. Um, in WWE, if you're going to do something like that, there's, there's lots of restrictions, and I'm not saying that's wrong. That's their way of doing business, and that's fine. In TNA, I did I Quit matches with, um, I believe, AJ. Oh, no, I did Last Man Standings with AJ and Anderson, uh, no restrictions. You can't have a good I quit match or a good last man standing match with restrictions. Um, obviously, in the WWE, um, the guys that they put in those scenarios, their characters are so, so over that they can carry the match based on character, and you don't necess- they don't necessarily have to do some of the things that you could do in, like, a Ring of Honor, ECW, or TNA. And when you're, if you're showing this to a match, uh, if you're showing this program to young wrestlers, I know you have the Team 3D Academy. What are the biggest lessons that you want to make sure that your talent, your young talent, take away from this program and in this match? The art of storytelling in a wrestling ring. That, that's the biggest thing. How to tell a story with your face. How to tell a story with emotion. How do how to show what a definitive good guy looks like and a definitive bad guy looks like? Um, all of the things that wrestling has been built on and has thrived on for a hundred years. Um, I didn't reinvent the wheel in that match. I just I, I know how to accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. And in that match, you got everything that was good and right about good storytelling, good character development. You had a couple of good moves thrown in there. You got some, you got some twists and turns that you never saw coming. And that's, and that's why people were on their feet from the beginning to the end. And I'm not being a dick when I say this, but there wasn't any other match where people were on their feet from the beginning to the end. So I asked you, why were people on their feet from the beginning to the end? The answer, it's because they were emotionally invested. How much influence do you have as a producer or on the creative end of Ring of Honor right now? I feel like this is the kind of advice that should be filtering throughout the entire show. I try to help any young wrestler who seeks out my help. And when they seek out my help, I, I do my best to give them the advice that I believe will best help them on their journey, not just the best uh, advice for the night, but the best advice on their journey. And then I'll sit back and see if that wrestler takes that advice. Um, I, I, do, I, I do my best for every, every wrestler out there, no matter who it is. The same, I give them the same attention that I would give any of my students at the Team, team 3D Academy. Are you interested in moving more heavily into the creative direction, or do you still, your, still you'll see yourself as an in-ring performer solidly? I have been involved in my creative direction my entire career. There are entire storylines and angles uh, that are completely thought up of, thought up by, and executed by me. And and I have not been a slave to the creative process or creative teams. 
But I mean, as far as helping write stories for other wrestlers, I mean, do you have any interest in doing doing anything like that or moving in that direction further? I enjoy helping other wrestlers tell their stories. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of wrestlers who are interested in telling stories these days. You have a lot of wrestlers that are interested in doing a high spot. You have a lot of wrestlers that are interested in uh, working for the pop, and that's fine and dandy. If that's what works for you, then by all means, you know, go out there and, you know, do it. I have plenty of guys come, come to me and they'll ask me, they'll say, Bubba, um, what do you think about if I do this tonight? And I'll say, well, okay, but what are you doing right before it and right after it? Because it's what you do before and after any moment in time that will make that moment in time more believable. Yeah, I, I just was, I'd be interested to see. I, I don't know. Devon has obviously moved into a producer role with WWE. I didn't know if that was a position you were moving into with, with Ring of Honor or not. Um, how how are you holding up, by the way? I mean, obviously it was a very physical bout. You kind of teased retirement a year or so ago. I was in Chicago when you gave that little kid a piece of wood and told him that was the last table you were going to break. I mean, are you do you see yourself as an in-ring competitor for a few few more years or a longer time to come? I'm a fucking machine, and the wrestling business needs a heel like me. There you go. I love that. Uh, I'll, I'll, cl- I'll close it up here real quick. I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, Bucks, Cody, leading for this AEW thing. I have to ask you, as an ECW original, you've been the renegade. You've been in that seat. You've, you've been on the rise. You've watched the fall. It does sound like these guys are going to try something. If you're in their shoes, I mean, what kind of advice would you give them about, you know, going going out and trying to make it on your own as a promotion? Um, if you're going to go and do it, you better go guns a-blazing. You can't half-ass it. I mean, those guys are smart guys. I, I mean, when you when you look at a show like All In, I know so many people were mesmerized by it, and it was a phenomenal event. But was All In really any different than Barely Legal? Barely Legal is the original all-in. Because that was an entire company, ownership and wrestlers, truly going all-in on their style and their beliefs. And that show changed the wrestling business. So I understand Cody and the Bucks when they, you know, they went all-in on that show. They did have Ring of Honor to fall back on. ECW had no safety net. We had no safety net. Those guys did. Still, that doesn't take away from any of the success that they had with that that all-in show because it was a great event and probably in the top three top three um, most talked about things of, of 2018. I would say, as a matter of fact, on Busted Open, we'll be doing our top ten you know things uh, you know things that happened in wrestling of the year, and I'm sure all-in might you know be number one or number two. Yeah. Um, so. If they're going to do it, they got to go for the jugular and do it right because they don't think you're going to get a second opportunity here. And yeah. once, they, once they try it, who knows what their value is if it was not to work. And I really want to see it work for for Nick and Matt. I don't care where Nick and Matt find success. I just want them to find success. Because I saw those two guys start off, start off like scared little kids in TNA and to see what they've turned into and uh and how they kept their head on straight is uh it's it's good to see. 
But you don't say that about Cody. Do you feel differently about him? Don't go down that road. I'm too smart for that. I just, you're the one who praised – yeah, I don't know. Wait, wait a minute. Because I'm praising two other people, does that mean I'm speaking negatively about somebody else? No, I just – you know, I brought up Cody at the Bucks. You left him off. I was just wondering if there was – What I'm saying is I'm talking about the Bucks because they are a tag team. I am a tag team guy who saw this young tag team go from scared kids to successful men. That's why I'm using them as an example, not because I have anything negative to say about Cody, but because you're a dirt sheet guy, that's where you went. I was just wondering. It was just inquisitive journalism. Of course. Uh, Hide behind the wondering, sure. All right. Lastly here, uh, last thing, TLT was Sunday. Obviously, you're the guy or one of the men helped make this match famous. Uh, The women closed the show in a TLC match, and I thought I'd kind of bring this around because – you talked earlier about who else in, in wrestling is doing these long, slow storylines. And in the moment, it didn't come to me, but it did a minute later. And Becky Lynch and Charlotte uh, have had a feud that's gone on for months as well, and I think it's uh, arguably taken it places that people didn't expect. Um, I don't know. What, what is your thoughts on their work? I mean, do you see any of the same kind of similarities that I just described there? I'm just curious. Did you call Charlotte and tell her she was too violent with the kendo stick a couple of weeks ago with Ronda? I mean, if they'd give me access to the WWE superstars, maybe I would. But were, were, you, were, you, were you offended? Uh, was I offended? No, I was on the hook. I mean, I thought it was oh. different. You've done, yeah, so you were on the hook with that, but you weren't on the hook with me when I came flipping the ECW arena. The, I didn't say I wasn't okay with it. I just said it was a bit offensively brutal when I saw the photos. And, you know, we were I thought, it, I, I thought it was brutal what Charlotte did to Ronda. Oh, my God. That was brutal. I was offended. What was your question, Nick? I don't think you're being sincere right now, Bubba. You, you, can't, you can't be offended by one and not be offended by the other. You can't say one was gross physicality. It's a kendo stick. It's a legitimate weapon. She was bruised, black and blued, and blood came to the surface of her skin. It's the same thing. Whether she had three welts and, and, and Flip had nine, it's the same thing. We can't pick and choose what we're offended by. What was your question? Uh, that's it. This is a heck of a lot of fun, Bubba. we got to do this again. Sometime. No, what was your uh, question? You had a question about, about, about Becky and Charlotte. Well, well, my Becky Charlotte question was if you saw similarities between their storytelling and the storytelling you did with Flip because they've been doing this for so long. I think that theirs was – I don't think they did the I Quit match, but it was the last man standing match before the TLC match that they had that everyone was like, oh, my God, this is what's stealing the deal. I'm on the hook. I want to see more from these two. Um, I, I think that the, the WWE women right now are outshining the WWE men. Um, I think Becky, Charlotte, um, Asuka, and Ronda are doing a phenomenal job. I'm so happy to see Asuka back in the mix because she is the real deal. I mean, this is a girl that had matches with Minoru Suzuki in Japan. You want to talk about bad motherfucker? I mean, that's what Asuka is. Um, Charlotte is the best female athlete and one of the best athletes, period, in the entire WWE. And Becky is the, the, the chosen one right now by the people. Becky is the, is the people's champion. 
So when you have a warrior like Asuka, a phenomenal athlete like Charlotte, and the people's champion with the emotional investment of Becky, oh, my God, you bring that all together. Now you bring the badass Ronda Rousey involved. You have four top stars there. I don't care if they're male, female, but they are getting the job done. I thought they did a great job with their TLC match. Everybody was was into it. Everybody did a great job. Was there one or two things that I might have done differently or, you know, maybe psychologically speaking didn't make sense to me? Yeah, but who cares? That's like going to a Kiss concert and saying, oh, they played the wrong note during rock and roll all night. Who gives a shit? All you know is that you're having a great time. And that, and that's what it, and, and their, you know, TLC match, that's all that mattered. The only thing that was a disconnect with me, and I, and I said this on Busted Open, was the use of the kendo stick in the storyline. And I think, and I'm not sure about this. This is just real outside-of-the-box thinking. I think they use the kendo stick because sometimes chairs can be a little cumbersome to swing. And if you're not a, a surgeon with those things, um, uh, uh, things can go wrong. So I did like the way they incorporated the kendo stick. I don't believe that they were copying in any way, shape, or form any of the things that I did. I think it was just a, a byproduct of the stories they were trying to tell. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, in general, do you think they lived up the, the history of the TLC match? I mean, we had another one on the show that was like Baron Corbin and Braun, which was like a non-match, and it you know, ended with a pinfall. I, I don't know. It's weird to me that you could end a TLC match like that. Um, when comparing Hanzo Swords you compare them to every other sword in the world that is not a Hanzo sword. Do you understand that? I absolutely. I studied Kabuki in high school. Okay, so when comparing TLC matches, you compare them to every other match that is not the original two TLC matches. Um, so, I can't believe I got that reference. That's amazing. Thank you, um, Theater. So I don't think you should ever – I don't think anybody should ever compare their TLC matches – um, to TLC 1 or TLC 2 because um, I, I don't think you can. It, right place, right time, right guys, planets lined up, stars in the right position. I mean, everything was perfect. And uh, people have been trying to top those matches forever. And I and they, people come to me for advice and they said, well, what should we do? What should we do? And I said, don't try to top us. Go out there and tell your own story. Let your own storytelling and your own athleticism, you know, top it. Top it in your own way. Um, because if you, if, you, if you just try to emulate what we did, I don't think you're going to be successful. I think that those three girls did a great job in telling their own story, and they have now set the bar for other females if they've ever if they have any other TLC matches. And I also think that they've set the bar a little for the guys too, because this was a very memorable TLC match. And I don't remember the last singles TLC match from guys that was as memorable. I I don't, I don't know how much time you have left here. I, uh, if I can pick your brain real quickly though, uh, the Women of Honor match from Final Battle really was like the only match the fans didn't seem to really rally behind. What, what do you think Ring of Honor could be doing to kind of recreate the magic WWE has with their women's division? Um, at, at any company, any division, if it's not going the, the exact way they want, you just got to sit down and look at it from its foundation and build from there. Um, I, I, I just think that the, the, the women of Women of Honor can just use some more time in the ring and some more reps.
that's it. I mean, I didn't see their match. Um, I know I can say this. They all go in there and bust their ass and try very hard. Trying very hard doesn't always mean you're going to be successful, though. So I didn't see it, so I really can't comment on it. You'd actually be a much better analyst than I am on that. Yeah, I did watch it. It was just, it was interesting. I mean, it was also, I think, uh, right after uh, Jeff Cobb and, and Hangman Page, so they were in a rough spot. Um, that was a That's a hard match to follow. Oh, my God. Did you catch that one? No, I did. I, I did not see any of the matches. I was entirely too caught up in my own stuff. All right. Well, you, the whole show was very good. Uh, Cobb and uh, and Page uh, really tore the house down. I mean, it was it was a very historically significant show. I thought Final Battle was. You had Ring of Honor doubling down on the talent that's going to be their core roster going into 2019 and beyond, and you had some other folks that were were doing jobs and, and heading out the door. I mean, did the show have that kind of vibe to you backstage? Did it feel like that kind of historically transitional show, or was it just another event? No, I think every final battle is, uh, is um, I don't want to say historic show, but every final battle is, is a big show, especially in that building. Um, I, I, I listen to the matches. I really don't watch. Listening tells me everything I need to know. And in listening to the whole night, I thought the whole night built very well. I thought Cobb and Page tore it down. I thought Marty and Daniels did a great job. I, I, yeah. I'm obviously very proud of the job that I was able to do with Flip. Uh, Cody, listen, you can't have a bad match with Jay Lethal. Um, Cody and Lethal did great. And Ladder Wars, you know, I mean, how, how can you have a bad ladder match with the Briscoes, the Bucks, and SCU? I mean, so when you sit back and you look just at those matches, it's impossible for the show to fail. I agree. Uh, Bubba, thank you so much. I hope we do get to reconnect. I want to talk more. I love the idea of picking individual bouts of yours and really diving in. I think this was very informative for everybody who's listening. I certainly learned uh, a lot here uh, today. Uh, I'll I'll quickly plug for you, Busted Open, Wednesdays, noon Eastern, Sirius XM, Fight Network, Channel 93. Did you just say Wednesdays? Weekdays. Weekdays. Yeah. That was my like Wednesdays. Must be your Chicago accent. (laughs) I'm from Texas originally. I moved to Chicago like 15 years ago. You're a Cowboys fan? No, I hate the Cowboys. I grew up around Houston. I was an Oilers fan, and then they took the Oilers from me, and now I'm a Texans fan. All right, don't get hot about it. Well, I'm just it was I was a Warren Moon kid growing up, and then they were like, "Oh, you have to like the Cowboys now because you don't have a football team." And Jerry Jones. Wait a minute, Warren Moon wasn't even that good. But he was our guy. He was the poster guy. Come on, man. Was... Come on. Warren Moon was not good. He wasn't that great of a player. Yeah, I was a child, all right? He came to my school. He gave you me see, a football. You, you see? Am I stirring you up right now? Well, I'm thinking about Warren Moon now, and I really, <laughs> yeah, he has, he's got a soft part, spot in my heart. You know, what am I going to so, so I must be doing my job. You've offended me, Bubba. You've offended me. Yep, yep, there's that word again. You know what I thought about the other day? What's that? How do we know that it was really Jack Frost? Maybe it was Jackie Frost, and she just identified as a man. Good man. You know, that's deep thoughts right there. That's like some <laughs> SNL stuff, you know. They're all real good. Were you caught up in the Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer controversy, I guess? I was, I was, I, I was really offended by um, Winter Wonderland. Here's the thing about the Rudolph argument. The... the the parable itself, the story, is in itself problematic. 
right? Like, I don't think there's a problem calling it problematic. The problem is, much like your I Quit match, there is resolution and the problem is resolved, right? Your issues with Flip Gordon are problematic. But if there's a solution, is it really that problematic? Uh, that's entirely too much thought put into it. See, you set me on the hook here a little bit longer on the phone, and this is where we're going. I'm back yeah. at, like, Loyola University. I'm in my philosophy classroom. All I know is that I'm pissed off about Winter Wonderland because there's a line in there that specifically says you can do the job when you're in town. And I think it's offensive to wrestlers because saying that I can do the job when, I in, when I'm in town implies that I am a jobber. And I'm not a jobber. I am enhancement talent who does favors. So thus I am very offended. Do you get upset when people call people Mark? Do you like that term? No. Nothing upsets me. At this time, I welcome to the show Ring of Honor television champion Jeff Cobb. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And hey, Nick, thanks for having me back on, man. It's it's awesome. It's always awesome to be on, and thank you for having me back. Ah, my pleasure. Uh, I'm excited to chat with you because I did watch Final Battle this past Friday night on Fight TV, and man, you and Hangman Page just tore the roof off the building. Um, what what was uh what was the story you guys were trying to tell in that match? Uh, just the the fact that you know we're two big hoss boys, um, just eating the holy poop out of each other, and um and the story besides that was just the, you know the, the Ring of Honor Television Championship is a is a prestigious title, so you know two guys fighting for that belt. I'm trying to keep it, he's trying to win it, and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Now you uh you've really only been with Ring of Honor since July now. Uh how does it feel for you to be received so quickly so well? Uh I feel like not just by the fans but it also seems like you're having a great time with the the roster in the locker room as well. Oh yeah, um Ring of Honor is a place that I've always wanted to come for a long time and and just my first day being accepted by everybody and just everybody's so cool backstage and all that. You know, it's just it's it's a fun it's a fun environment to be a part of, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was such a unique match here you talk about with Paige. You guys certainly got the athleticism and strength aspect of the match over there. Was there was there anything fun that you guys got to do together specifically in that match in regards to that? Was there something you were – like a spot or anything in particular in that bout you were particularly proud of considering the size of, of both of you? Uh, there, was, there, was a, there was a point in that match where I – I don't know why I did it. I just I was there, so I figured I'd just jump on him uh, crossbody from the second rope, and I wasn't expecting him to roll through and pick me up and then do a follow-up slam. So that one really shocked me, and it definitely. I mean, if you if you watched it live or if you were there live, um, I'm sure you you heard the reaction that it got. Like most people weren't expecting it as well. And and to his credit, you know, like I said, Paige is a big strong boy, so. How is it to be in there? I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're you, you're Olympic uh athlete Jeff Cobb. Um and you're in there and this guy like you say just decides to roll through and just pick you up. Like, what goes through your head when something like that happens, Jeff? Um it, those little memes where uh you know, it where it pauses and it, it just says like, you know, this is at that point where Jeff knew he effed up and that that was definitely where I knew I messed up at. Oh, man. It is so great to watch you guys work together. And, you know, it was also a real transitional night for Paige, too. Obviously, he finished up with Ring of Honor. Uh, they had, like, this quasi-curtain call moment here at the end of the show. 
How was it putting the, the match together with him that day? Did he did he seem distracted or anything like that? No, um, because I think uh, both our mindsets were focused on just, um, I guess, stealing the show um, and showcasing the Ring of Honor Television Championship, and uh, as well as showcasing what uh, myself and Hangman Page can do um, in a ring. And I think I don't think we disappointed. How how in, how was it backstage in general though, knowing that you had not just Page but this other group of guys here who are leaving the the promotion? It looks like how how was that backstage? Uh, I mean, you know, anytime you lose uh, great talent, it's always gonna it's always gonna suck. Um, not just as a product wise, but just morale wise, like backstage, because you know the Bucks are cool, Cody's always cool, Page is always cool, like. I mean, I don't know if SC is leaving, but they were, they were super cool backstage as well. So, you know, it's, it's just, um, I mean, it's just a, it's just life, you know, like even if you're at a regular day job, people come and go, people leave, you know, even if like they're the coolest person in the world, they, you know, change is inevitable, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it wasn't like a celebration, but it was, it was, it was kind of sad at times. Yeah, it, it kind of it had a very transitional feel to it. Final battle did. I mean, it, it really did feel kind of like this, you know, historical type show. Considering you know you're really establishing this new core of of Ring of Honor talent, of which you are just like uh, one of the guys on the top of the heap. It would seem in there, while at the other time you're you're having a couple guys leave at the same time. But with you in particular, I mean, you know, we have some new talent coming in. PCO Brody King. They've debuted. Bandito appears to be on the way. But again, you've been here since July. You took the title from Punishment Martinez. He left the company. You defend that title against Adam Page. He leaves the company. I mean, you seem a little bit like the gatekeeper of Ring of Honor. I mean, do you feel like that in a way? Um, I, I mean, I guess, I guess a part of me does. Like, I mean, I feel like the guys that have had longer tenures at uh, Ring of Honor are the gatekeepers. Um, guys like, you know, like Silas Young and Jay Lee. So, cause they, like, they've been around, for, like, they've been with Ring of Honor for, for more than a cup of coffee and, right. and they've had great matches and they're just great locker room leaders. So I, I feel they're more of the gatekeepers. Um, I mean, I guess if, uh, if you're looking at like the Punishment Martinez and Hangman Page, I guess, uh, I'm not really the gatekeeper. I'm more of a, uh, lock the door and kick him out, kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't. I guess. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just there to do my job and, uh, and steal shows. And hey, if I, if I see like somebody and they don't come back, that's not my fault. You're the I kick them out the door and lock the door and keep them out kind of guy. Oh, that's such a great way to describe you, Jeff. And it's also cool to hear you. You know, you. I thought Final Battle really was a great showcase for what the, the core talent of 2019 in Ring of Honor is going to look like. You, the Briscoes, uh, Jay, uh, Kenny even uh, look great on this show. These are you, There's a lot of, uh, like you say, guys that have spent more than a cup of coffee at this promotion that are the core. You're kind of the new guy here, and in a way, you're helping kind of sh- shift out some of that younger talent. I, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting observation to hear you be put in the same conversation with these guys who have been there for so long you've been there since july you know yeah i mean i've I've been there like i've been there for my 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 coffee's still brewing right now so um you know i definitely plan on being here for a while so i'm i'm definitely would like to be considered a part of the the core down the road so i'm not i'm not sweating that statement too much 
Yeah, well, I, I want to go back here just real quick um, and touch on punishment because punishment really did such a great job of helping you establish yourself in Ring of Honor. Like we said, you kicked him out the door, locked the door. He doesn't get to come back in anymore. Uh, but how, what did you learn working with Punishment Martinez there in that first title program with Ring of Honor? Uh, well, I mean, he was a previous champion, so I mean, he definitely like helped me out with like just just how to represent the company. Um, you know, it's not just a independent company anymore. Now it's a national TV or national televised show, and just so much behind Ring of Honor now. So I was like, hey, listen, this is how you this is how you carry yourself. This is how you represent the company, represent the belt, represent your peers. So I mean, it was, it was cool. Like, I mean, my interactions with him weren't as as much as I'd like it to have been because it was only like what. Well, maybe three months before he left. So, yeah. I mean, but yeah, he definitely helped out in the in the short time that we had. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering. I mean, it, it's it's a it's interesting because him, your chosen bros, tag team partner Matt Riddle, they you know he joined Punishment the same time over there in NXT. Why did you choose to set down roots in Ring of Honor? What was the big selling point for you going into to 2019 and beyond? Uh, just the just the history that Ring of Honor has. I mean. A lot of the a lot of the guys that I l- kind of looked up to uh, when I was starting to train were Ring of Honor guys. Um, just the product itself is always good. Match quality is good, um, and their relationship with New Japan definitely helped out because yeah, I I love going there. So yeah, uh, with Ring of Honor having that relationship, uh, you know, I'm they're like, well, if you want to go on this tour, go ahead, you know, kind of thing. So I, I I really appreciate that. Yeah, and and what in general do you think? Because it is becoming, you know, 2019 is going to be a loaded year as far as pro wrestling goes. I mean, there's going to be, you know, uh, Ring of Honor. You know, the other's WWE, of course. You got Impact out there, but then whatever the Bucks and Cody are doing. What do you think it is that Ring of Honor is doing right now without the history of Ring of Honor? But what do you think it's doing right now that separates it from the pack and makes it different than the other promotions uh, in North America? Uh, I think just the, the quality of the matches that they're producing um you know a lot of it uh and a lot of it too it's like it's not long contrived boring promos it's it's short and sweet to the point and then getting down to the grassroots of what professional wrestling is and it's pro wrestling so a lot of it too is like it's our it's our in-ring product that we that we put out that it's you know definitely uh definitely up there in in, in ranking wise like i mean we just put on great matches and and that's what this company is, you know. Um, you really broke out in pro wrestling, Gorilla, right? That was like one of the places that people really started to get to know you. They're a notoriously kind of private company. With all the talk of Ring of Honor working with other promotions and in general everybody working together, do you see PWG as a promotion that you know Ring of Honor could work with or would be open to something like that? Um, I, th- I think they kind. I mean, I don't know if they're working together, but they're like Ring of Honor is allowing us to wrestle like PWG as long as it doesn't conflict with their taping dates. Okay. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, as I mean, I'm currently the PWG heavyweight champion. I don't plan on losing that for a while. So, right. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool that like companies can work together because I mean, people are yelling to the, to the clouds for, um, for alternatives to the WWE. And yes. I think definitely ring of honor and PWG and new Japan are all, companies that people can get behind and and it gives them a, a nice alternative i was thinking about final battle and i was thinking about how much final how fun final battle was 
and how great the action was as compared to what we're seeing from WWE right now, where you say people really are looking for an alternative. What are some of the tropes and things that you hope that you don't see from Ring of Honor, considering how much momentum there does seem to be behind the promotion at the moment? Um, I don't, you know, I just think Ring of Honor is it's like it doesn't worry too much about what other people are doing. Yeah. Like I think Ring of Honor is just in their own mindset of, hey, we're going to put out the best product, and I think it it shows, you know, like in comparison, like like I don't hear people complaining too much about, you know, what Ring of Honor does, like as as the amount that WWE complainers have. So I think Ring of Honor is great on that on that path of just you know what, like no one can be the WWE. So I, and that's one thing I think that Ring of Honor does great as well is like they don't they don't try to be WWE they they're Ring of Honor they know what their grassroots are and what, what their what they are what their base is and and the Ring of Honor is just, just Ring of Honor they're not WWE light they're not WWE uh, 2K or they're not WWE they're Ring of Honor yeah and it is interesting because Ring of Honor's worked so well with New Japan like you point out. And they've had such a symbiotic relationship, but it does feel like the two brands are starting to stand more and more on their own, which makes, you know, like the Madison Square Garden show, the Super Show coming up next year seem seem all the more important. Um, how cool is that for you to be able to get to go to the Garden and wrestle for, like, both those promotions in the same night? I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, I did an interview with the Ring of Honor there. And I mentioned that uh, in 2003, I, I had an amateur wrestling tournament there. Uh, the World Championships were held in Madison Square Garden. And if I could, if my career could come full circle where I could actually have a pro wrestling match in Madison Square Garden, it, it would be it would be amazing. I mean, just like the, the garden, that's the mecca of pro wrestling, I feel. And that's where... That's where everything is, you know, the, the the garden. When you think of wrestling, you think of Madison Square Garden, I, in, in my opinion. So I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, when you think of the garden, what's your, what's your memory? What's What stands out to you as the thing you think of when you think of wrestling in the garden? Oh, there's so much. Like, a, like a, well, I remember, because I have a, I have a VHS of WrestleMania one. Okay. So I just remember like Hulk Hogan coming out with Mr. T and, and Snook in the corner. And just I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then King Kong bunny just pinning SD Jones. And I think it was like five, eight seconds, five seconds. Yeah. It was, it was real quick, but just stuff like that. I was like, Oh like that was my childhood. Dude, so I, I think you can get Mr. T. <laughs> I'm pretty sure as long as he doesn't speak for 27 hours about his mama. No, no, no. That's the hook, I think, right? Like, that's the distraction oh. during the match. <laughs> Whoever you're up against, right? Like, Tease just starts talking about his mom. Ref gets everybody's distracted. That's your hook, you know? Oh, and that works then. Let's get let's get Mr. T on the phone. I would love to see you come to the ring with Mr. T in the garden. I just want to put that out there. Um who would you like to face at the garden? If you, I mean, that's a huge stage there. I mean, I don't know if there's somebody in your mind that you would really like to share that space with. Um, if I'm armchair booking, uh, one that I put out in the universe was like, I think it would be, I mean, it would be amazing career-wise for myself if, if it did something like a like a Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior thing where the heavyweight title was against the Intercontinental title, mm. or Jay Lee, so the heavyweight champ would go against the 
television champion myself. And I think that would be, I mean, that's just armchair booking for myself, but I think that'd be super cool. Um, or, you know, just someone, someone from the new Japan, the new Japan line roster that's going to be coming over. That's, uh, wants a shot at the belt, you know, like, I think, uh, either way, any match would be perfect in my eyes just for the garden. Yeah. Just wondering. I mean, it is, it's such a cool, unique space. Obviously we got a couple months here, uh, before the garden, what kind of a ring of honor television champion do you anticipate being? How do you want to describe the months ahead? Um, well, I definitely plan on being a defending champion. Um, I definitely don't back down from any challenges. So if anybody wants, wants a shot at it, feel free to step up. Um, you know, I know Shane Taylor has been putting it out there on the Twitter world. Uh, you know, I, I already beat him. I told him once I, I beat him. So if he needs to, uh, if he wants a shot, like I give anybody a shot, but if I beat you already, you got to go back to the line and prove yourself. I don't just give, I don't just hand out shots. Um, I like to defend it against uh, people who've earned it. So, I mean, if you if you want a shot, feel free to let Ring of Honor Management know. And as long as we're available for the date, let's do it. What about a PCO? Would you be interested in mixing it up with uh, with new Ring of Honor star PCO? I'm, I'm always, like I said, I'm always down for a challenge. Uh, anybody wants them, they prove it and then come get them. He's a scary man. He's got a car battery for a heart. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, we don't mess with those. Yeah, I'm just saying he's got a car battery for a heart, right? I watched him squeeze an apple, make applesauce with one hand. Um, do you uh, were you surprised they put the RH title on our TV title on you as quick as they did, or did you kind of have an idea coming in that you were gonna get the rocket strapped to you pretty quickly there? Um, I they kind of made made a reference to that, but uh, I don't think it was supposed. To, I, I was more shocked at how quick the belt was coming to me on my first official ring of honor match. So I definitely was very shocked that day showing up to the venue. Oh, you found out the day of that you were getting the title. Well, well the day before. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, there was rumblings, but you know, I, I never believe anything until I show up and then they say it's on the sheet. It's on the call sheet. So I never, I never believe anything until until it actually comes to fruition. Well, who, I mean, I don't know if you want to say, but who told you? Why Why did they tell you they were giving you the title? What did they say the kind of champion they wanted you to be? Uh, they, I mean, I mean, it, pretty much like, uh, like if you look at like my new t-shirt design, it's like the Hawaiian juggernaut. So I think they kind of want to, they see something in me where I'm just like a, like a suplexing machine and just run through people. And I mean, it, that's kind of played out on the on TV where with the with the top prospect tournament, like pretty much just came out and ran through all of them, and then eventually I got to the first boss, which was uh, Punishment Martinez, and I ran through him and and took his belt and sent sent him packing. So yeah. I think just uh yeah, just just a juggernaut kind of champion. Okay, all right, uh, and uh, lastly here, you uh, are so synonymous still with the independents, even though you are. Obviously, taking off in Ring of Honor, New Japan. Uh, is there any talents here going into 2019? It does seem like Ring of Honor is picking up some talents. Is there anybody you'd like to see in the mix here with Ring of Honor? Um, it's it's weird because I think it seems like uh, like WWE is definitely going on one of those signing sprees. So, I, I mean, it, there's a lot of names out there that are either signed or signed somewhere. So, I, I don't know who's still free in this day and age like i'm very confused right now so i mean but if ring of honor can get a top a good 
name and upcoming guy that can prove themselves, I'm definitely for it. Just, you know, like, let's get some more, get some more talent and let's build for the future. I dig it. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Is there anything you'd like to plug, promote, tell people where to, uh, where to follow you here to wrap up? Uh, yeah. I mean, Twitter's, Twitter's my best bet now, uh, real Jeff Cobb and anything on uh ring of honor.com and just get some, get some cool merch, watch some cool matches on the honor club and just continue to support ring of honor. And you need to get Mr. T and Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> At this time, I welcome back to the show, Jesse Collings. Jesse, welcome back to the Wingley. Thanks, Nick. Good to be back. Of course, we're doing the Views from the Turnbuckle audio edition. Every Friday, Jesse drops a new editorial on Wrestling Inc., and we like to talk about it here a little bit on the show. This past Friday, Jesse listed his top 10 wrestling matches of 2018, and noticeably absent here, Jesse, there are no main roster WWE matches. Why why is that? Why did WWE not make the cut, at least the main roster here, for your top ten? Well, first, I guess I should clarify like how I come up with this thing. And it's not that I just think about matches that I really liked and then formulate a list. I'm a huge uh, data nerd, so I actually have a spreadsheet. Oh my god, of- we got the Nate Silver of pro wrestling over here. That's a that's that's I I wouldn't put myself in the same category as Nate, but I have a spreadsheet of of matches that I, every match that I've watched. Uh, not every match because I don't do like raw matches, but I do like any pay per view or any special event matches of, of matches I watch, and I have like over five hundred of them what? for this year. What? And I, I um, and so I uh, I and I give them a rating on a scale between negative five and five. And then, so at the end of the year, when I'm coming up with my column, I sort them and I look at which matches I gave the best rating. And then I go back and I watch a lot of them. Or if I don't watch rewatch a lot of them, I watch them like YouTube highlight videos, that kind of stuff to kind of remember what it was because there's a lot of content. And then I kind of formulated a list. And so when I was going through it, I wasn't like, you know, I, I didn't write this list and say, I'm not going to have WWE matches on my list. Cause I think WWE sucks and I hate WWE. It was just, I looked at it and I was like, really there weren't any WWE matches that I had, I had rated super highly on the main roster. There were NXT matches that did. And then I think that's kind of like the focus here is that I think people in general are kind of down on the in-ring product at WWE on the main roster. You know, I feel like you don't get people buzzing about big matches or like how great certain matches were. Man, that often, That's and crazy. I talked to some other people, and some people were saying, asked me if this was the worst in-ring product that WWE had presented uh, in a long time on the main roster, as far as just the the quality of the matches. I don't know how you feel about that. I I I don't think that the WWE matches themselves are bad. I do agree. You don't get many blowaway matches in WWE. I mean, you know, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. How do those, how do those guys have a bad match, right? Like the women, like Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Asuka, the TLC match was great. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte's uh, last man standing match came to mind for me when I think, you know, best main roster match of of 2018 from the WWE. Yeah, one of the things I was looking at um, when I was thinking about this was that a lot of the matches, not quite all of them, but most of them uh, that made my top 10 were like the main event matches on the shows they were on. They were the biggest matches and they had, you know, a big story behind them and that kind of stuff. And if you look at, you know, the W the year WWE has had, if you just look at like the pay-per-view main events on the main roster, I feel like they've been kind of overshadowed by other things. Like when, you know, when Roman Reigns was WWE champion, the story out of, 
coming after his matches was not, oh, the matches were really good or the matches were really bad. It was like, well, the crowd booed the guy or the crowd didn't react at all and people were chanting for a beach ball. Um, and then you have other stuff like, you know, you know, Brock Lesnar squashing guys and you got Schma's endings. And I feel like just if you look at like the, the main events on each WWE pay-per-view show, it was pretty weak. I, I don't think there's any shortage of good matches in WWE because I think even some of the the lesser pay-per-views this year have had good matches, but I don't think there's a lot of top tier matches. And I think that has to do with WWE's inability to both create characters that we feel emotionally uh, invested in when we're watching them. And also to create storylines that make us, you know, really feel while we're watching the shows. Uh, it's a, it's a very valid point. You know, again, it's just for me, I, I, Think, you know, I think about AJ Styles' run, and yeah, the Nakamura ball shot stuff, that doesn't scream to me like, okay, AJ Styles' best work. Um, yeah, you saw a lot of, there was a lot of, like, not super clean finishes and stuff building towards the next show, which is fine, and that's great, you need that in wrestling, but I did think that if you look at, like, the main events from each pay-per-view, it wasn't like you saw that, like, wow, that was a great main event. I, I, I think the closest I came was the one at TLC was very good. Yes. The one at Evolution was very good. Yeah. And the one at Survivor Series was very good, which is good because that's the most recent stuff. But I think if you look back earlier in the year, there just wasn't a whole lot uh, there. I mean, the, the, the you know Undertaker in Kane versus Shawn Michaels and Triple H was like no one cared talked about how good that match was. It was there's a million other storylines involved. Yeah, and and part of it is the storytelling because WWE. The, the pace is so quick. It is hard sometimes. You know, I've noticed here, obviously, on your on your top ten, Kenny Omega is, like, what, three of the top four matches here? I mean, is it does it just come down to, like, the story being told going into the match? Because Kenny Omega is doing some really interesting storytelling, or it did at least in 2018, with the different stories he was telling going into the bouts themselves. I just think that other promotions are a little bit more uh... – I think they take their main event matches a little bit more seriously than WWE, and that includes NXT. Like, I can't remember, and someone could probably correct me, like the main event of a TakeOver show having like a schmoz ending or uh, or something that, uh, you know, interference-based or something like that. I guess maybe the Ciampa Gargano yeah, match had Ciampa, that, but even Ciampa. then that kind of had like a, a clean ending that was a little bit – it might have been shocking – I just don't feel like, you know, WWE has is focused on putting on the best matches possible in the main event slot. And I think when you talk about emotion and storyline and how much time has been given to develop these these big matches, I don't think WWE just doesn't take it, I think, as seriously. They're not as focused on doing clean finishes as other promotions, and I think that hurts. Yeah, and so, but yeah, back to Kenny here. I mean, Kenny's three of four. I mean, what what is it about Kenny Omega that's so special right now? in 2018 going into 2019 where he has in one year, in your opinion, three of the top four best matches. Well, let's just look at the number one match, which was the Okada match from Dominion where you had Okada, uh, you know, Got a was... dog dogs, an Omega fan here. We're talking Kenny yeah, and this know, guy's I'm, going I'm off. My... It's upstairs. Is that, is that really loud? No, no I can hear. I mean, it's fine. It's a bug me. I mean, I'm sure the listeners are probably like, Oh, that's a dog. But the yeah, dog, the yeah, dogs my are... dogs don't like Kenny Omega. Okay. Um, Ken, but like, if you look at the main event uh, with Kenny Omega in in Okada at Dominion, like that was a match that was years in the making. It was oh, you know, dating back to their to to um, Kenny winning the G one a few years ago, and then they had the their first match at Wrestle Kingdom two years ago, and it was just kind of built up until this one cumulative match, and that was a slow build over years of time that eventually led up to something. And I don't know if WWE is is capable of producing something like that. 
I think you should go take care of this dog, Jersey. <laughs> this dog sounds like it's. I can hear it. Oh, it stopped. Oh, the dog stopped. You stopped talking. No, it's... someone walked outside. Um, oh, and that's why the dog's freaking out. Yeah. Just sorry. Wondering. No, it's fine. I mean, you just you make good points there about uh about why Kenny worked. It's just uh, the dog. Obviously, not a Kenny Omega fan. Uh, is all yeah. I'm saying there. Um, yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people in the comment section that feel the same way. Well, who do you? Uh, so going into 2019 right now. WWE, first of all, Vince McMahon came out and said, everything's going to change. Uh, we're going to be giving you guys what you want. I mean, you've got some NXT matches here on your list. I would imagine this is the kind of stuff that you hope that they do carry up to the main roster. What's your faith in that happening? I don't know. I mean, I really, you know, I, I didn't, like a lot of people, I didn't really buy what Vince was saying. Uh, and, and it's going to take a long time, I think, to see real change on the main roster. And I think what ultimately has to happen is they have to have a different philosophical approach to both the f amount of freedom they give wrestlers in putting together their own matches and w what they focus on storyline-wise. And I think fans are more interested, at least I'm more interested in, in like, you know, the main event of a pay-per-view match having a clean finish and having – you know, like a real decisive ending as opposed to just doing a schmoz or, or doing, a, a, you know, someone running out or a surprise appearance or kind of having this cliffhanger style ending, which is fine, but I don't think it lends itself to having good matches. And I think it's going to be a while in WWE before we see any real significant changes. I don't think they're going to be able to do them overnight because it involves a different, I think, philosophical alteration in how they approach wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that, too. I was a little underwhelmed with what the announcement was on Raw, if anything, because now we really have to wait and see if there's going to be a payoff. I was looking for something more meaningful in the way of uh, we're not giving what you want. Hunter's in charge now, right? Yeah, you know, a lot of people online, and I know, uh, you know, Glenn, Matt, and, and Raj talked about it in the post-Raw show, which was like, you know, everyone had ideas. What if you did this? What if Ricochet came out? What if you brought up guys from NXT and had them wrestle on the main roster that night? And it was like you could have done some stuff that could have at least told fans like, ooh, this is different. And I guess they did do that in, in some ways, but I think it's going to be a while. And, you know, there could be a match in WWE next year that's like one of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life, and it's going to be my match of the year and all that kind of stuff. I don't rule that out. You got some excellent workers in WWE and you have some storylines that could pay off big. Like the eventual Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey match could be like this incredible emotional experience that's on the table. Right. So I, nothing, I can't rule anything out. All right. Uh, if I want to finish up by saying that, um, first of all, your list is impressive to me. I was thinking about the 500 matches you watched and scored. I kind of want to see that list. I feel like you should take some photos and, and post them on Twitter. Well, I have, um, I thought about this. I'll have to. I'll have to. I have it all in a Google Doc. So I, I each since 2014, I've been doing this and keeping track of all of them. Oh my god! So now I have about over 2,000 matches, uh, in in the sheet, what? and they all have a rating. And I mean, when a match gets over four, when I rate a match over four, I leave it in my columns and I put it down in the must-watch matches uh, oh. section of my of my articles. Oh. So like the really good matches, I I like to point out. But I uh, I, I can definitely. I'm thinking about like uh, you know just on twitter just po pointing that out and like sharing it with the public gotta, as far as uh if people just want to see it and use it as a guide or just use it to make fun of me or yeah. i don't really care dude we gotta talk to raj man be like we got professor jesse's archives here ever growing that should just be like a, a part of the site you know yeah no i know oh god i don't know 
But yeah, yeah, why not? I'm right? going to the boss. I'm bringing it up to him. I'm going to talk to him about it. He's probably listening to There's this. There's going to be right a lot now. more pressure. There's going to be a lot more pressure on me because I'm going to get a lot more uh, a criticism if I if I if I don't rate stuff certain uh, certain. Yeah. But you know, I, I like to publish them. Like they're all my ratings are for WWE shows are are are, are made online the night of the show. So I don't I don't, I'm not hiding behind them. But oh. I like to use it. The idea was to originally create a data pool big enough so I could then look back and be like, okay, here are the 50 best Kenny Omega matches, oh. and I have probably 50 kenny omega matches rated at this point so i could actually create that list if i wanted to that's incredible i'm fascinated all right uh this friday i know you've got a, a fun editorial coming up because i had some input in this one this was kind of an idea i i punted to you because you seemed far more qualified to put this list together um but i wanted to know what a possible 24 wrestler roster could look like for aew uh considering this thing launches on january 1st and, and how is that Looking at the lay of the land, looking at what people have said, they, they appear to be available, not available from ROH, New Japan, the Independence. How is your list coming together here, Jesse? I think we got about like 18 or 19 names right now, and I'm looking to, to fill it out with some other names. I keep, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about it the last few days, and I, I, I'll i be doing something like I'll be making dinner or I'm in the shower, and I'm like, oh, yeah, what about that person? Because I hadn't thought yeah. about them in a while. I think some names are obvious, like the guys that are currently in the elite and uh, the guys in SoCal uncensored right. look like they're headed there anyway. But you know, there's a lot of other names out there that you got to think about, Oh, what are they doing right now? Are they signed with anyone? They would be a good fit. And you can look back at all in and see some guys that they definitely consider, but yeah, it's, it's, it's coming along. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting exercise for sure. I like this one a lot. I'm very excited to see what you come up with here, Jesse. Uh, but in the interim, where do you want to send people online to find you, follow you all on your many adventures? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and that's at, Jesse Collins, J-E-S-S-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-G-S. And thank you all very much for listening. Isn't that cool how we do the edit live on the air? Or it's like now we're at the end of the show. Um, thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, thank you to Bully Ray. Thank you to Jeff Cobb. Justin, you're great. Uh, before I let you do your spiel, we got a spoiler here for the end of the show. So if you don't want to hear a spoiler, you got to turn off the show. Turn off, Stop listening. Stop tuning. Turn, turn off. Go away. Go away. Spoiler alert. Earmuffs. This was our last news topic. Rusev is now your new U.S. champion. That happened at SmackDown Live on Tuesday night. Good for him. Happy, happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day. Yeah, my, absolutely. My, my stockings are hung for Rusev Day. Good. Uh, <laughs> Justin, where, can you, where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, all those great things? Uh, on uh, my wrestling reality podcast. They can uh, subscribe to it. iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere. Google Play Music. Uh, check that out. Uh, a lot of fun there. Um, and again, uh, anybody that's going to be in Pittsburgh, or for December 29th, when they are here to tape SmackDown, I'll be hosting a pre-party at 1311 Bar on East Carson Street uh, from 3 to 6. $2 Miller Lite bottles, $3 Fireballs, $7 Smirnoff Vodka, or $7 Captain Morgan Pitchers. 3 to 6, hang out there, and then we'll head over to PPG Paints Arena. That's again, it's December 29th here in Pittsburgh. Hope to see you. There is nothing like getting drunk with Justin the Bar. I'm telling you, people. Go do that. Do it. <laughs> uh, I'm Nick Hausman at Wink Rebel, W-I-N-C, Rebel over on Twitter. Find me there. Uh, and uh, yeah, next week we're going to have PCO uh, for sure will be on the show. I have a couple other interviews. I don't know which ones I'm going to release, so I don't want to tease any more than that. But definitely come back for PCO. Thank you all very much for listening, for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>